commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show of in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, a new segment rundown for June 4th, 2021. 99 problems for the Bad Batch 8-1, Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. Now, I'll be your host, Ben Grant and Adam, to discuss. All right, thank you very much, Grex Kondak. Yeah. And thanks everyone for joining us this week. It is so great to speak with you again, and uh, it is fantastic that we have Adam back in the um, first chair. Uh, <laughs> hanging out. Uh, all right, calm down. <laughs> it's good to be Wait, back. I'm if Adam's Chewy and you're Han. What am I? Who am I? Uh, I'm saying Adam's Han, and I'm. I'll Chewy. be Leia. That's fine. Oh, I was gonna say you're L three. You're the uh, you're the three personalities in the uh, in the core of the Falcon. Great. Can't wait to be a disembodied AI. You're welcome. So. You wait. Uh, you can be Chewy, and I will be Treadwell. Is that <laughs> deal? Deal. I love it. <laughs> I was happy as Leia, but all right. Right. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. One. You could be Leia. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, lots of news this week. <laughs> and that's the news. Um, why don't we move on to Bad Batch? Yeah, let's do it. If you're having clone problems, I feel bad for you, son. I have 99 problems, but the Bad Batch ain't one. Uh, hit me! Woo! Okay, hey, uh, this, we have another episode of Bad Batch this week. Uh, so excited for it. Episode 6, it is decommissioned. A fantastic episode. Um, I'm trying not to say um, so I'm running out of breath because my body just keeps wanting to say that word. Um, but I, I enjoyed this episode very much. I watched it yeah. twice in a row. I, I love this. My only complaint is that I almost wish that instead of 16 episodes, they did eight and did these twice as long just because mm. I want to get into it. And obviously they're created as 30 minute arcs and that's a thing and it's great. But still. I want more as always um, and, and would love more to digest each week because they're, it's such a fantastic story uh, that they're doing so well. It's just a, it's a really interesting star Wars story uh, when you look at it sort of yeah. as a whole. And so if they gave us bigger bites, I feel like you'd experience that THX one, one, three, eight sort of storyline that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, what did, what did you think about this episode? Exploring, oh, sorry. I love that it's exploring this kind of, transitional period where we're getting we're going yeah. from the, yeah. to the empire and there's just a hotbed of activity in the galaxy and i found it super intriguing that in this episode we go to corellia where there's a decommissioning mm -hmm. plant where they're where they're smelting down all the battle droids and the super yeah. battle droids and the entire droid army essentially and if that was just really cool to see it's cool to see that um Filoni's really putting a button on everything that was set up in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And it's it's so cool to do it here. I can't wait to see it in other media, too. I know even in The Mandalorian, we get flashbacks to, you know, Din Djarin's past, and we get some of the, that stuff, you know, um, putting a putting a bow on some of that stuff there. It's just, Filoni's doing a lot of work here and, and really tightening up the story and creating a lot of really interesting characters. And it was cool to see the return of some characters in this episode, which we'll talk mm -hmm. about. But, um, 
But the one thing that was kind of um, a bummer was like I watched this episode and I was like, I have to now go back and watch three episodes of Clone Wars because, right. you know, two characters from from that final season are back in this episode. I, and I totally forgot what Me they too. had done in Clone Wars. So I had to go back. And so I didn't just watch this. I watched, you know, I watched four episodes of, of, of uh, Clone Wars and this included. So good for you. It was great. Love yeah. It. I um similarly I had like I love that we're still getting we're still seeing glimpses of what's happening after the war like I love this this part of looking at what the transition from the Republic to the Empire looks like on the ground. The other thing is that I don't know how involved Filoni is on this. I know he is kind of the EP. I know he's got creative control over it, but he's not really the head writer of the whole thing. That being said. This feels like a really interesting middle ground between Clone Wars and The Mandalorian. And what I mean by that is this is one continuous story. He's getting really comfortable with episodes picking up immediately after the previous episode, which is not something we see a lot. Right? It's not a like to be continued arc like we got in The Clone Wars. It's just like that story ended. They're still in SIDS. I was not expecting that. Right. And we talk more about that. But I just... I think he took some really interesting lessons and that and part of that is there is a moment of mystery lore drop mystery box moment in every single episode so far, which is really something different than what we saw in Clone Wars or even Rebels. Right. This feels closer to the live action Star Wars to me than the animated ones we've been watching so far. And it's really interesting. Yeah, the cliffhangers are standout. Incredible. Uh, just leaving us guessing uh, after every episode, uh, especially this one where mystery character, which at the end of this conversation, I'm sure we'll all have guessed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know who it is, by the way. Okay, great. Um, Interesting. Should all right, we jump so, back to the beginning? Do you guys want to cover this chronologically? <laughs> or do you guys want to cover it? Just yeah. Let me, let me just give a brief overview yeah, yeah, about it. this, because for those who, if there is a population that have not watched this, but want to hear about what happened, um, they're, so they're still at SIDS, right? And they're sort of mercenary curious. <laughs> and um, they're there and they're, you know, uh, Omega has a new weapon. She's playing with that. And then they they get a, a another bounty. And essentially, SID doesn't give them an option. They just She's like, guess what? You're doing this job for me. Go. And they're like, oh, okay. We just take orders as we do. Go through this thing, meet some uh, ne'er-do-wells. And then uh, on, on they go to Corellia, decommissioned. Uh, droid farm as uh, grant said and then you know they go through their trials and tribulations um and there's a an interesting heartfelt ethical turn at the end mm-hmm. and um and the galaxy has gotten bigger because they've opened up another another faction there yeah um you know pretty simple like these things are always pretty simple plots right but there's so much that happens within it yeah um, yeah, what do you what did you think about that interaction with Sid and and Hunter? Just like Sid being like, nah, you're doing this. Yeah. Like it, you are it, doing this job. And he's like, okay. It feels organic because a lot of characters mistreat the clones. Yeah. Throughout the Clone Wars, and then also now in, in Bad Batch. And it's even it's even it's even grown worse and worse by the time you know Bad Batch rolls around, especially with Tarkin trying to replace the clones with uh, conscript soldiers and, 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 and totally just acts the program. Like I, yeah. I, 
it's it's now it feels like they're now disposable in the eyes of the empire and then the galaxy themselves the galaxy you know as a whole many of them sided with the separatist you know uh regime and and therefore hate hate clones for their occupations of their planets and then also i think there's just i think clones were only seen as soldiers and kind of sold and, and for that reason i think they were all always seen as a threat as well yeah I agree. I think it's I think it is a bit of this kind of feeling towards clones. I mean, Sid, I don't think, is a trustworthy character. Right. I mean, transitions um, are always you got to yeah. take them with. A He's good with green slime, whatever that yep. means, whatever that means. So at the end of the last episode, she was just like, oh, I oh, oops, it slipped my mind about about mm-hmm. it being a rancor. So, you know, I think Pretty that's, great bar she owns, though. I would it is. definitely visit that bar. So I think she knew what juice is there. Yeah. <laughs> you and was... one Ithorian and one Weequay. Weequay, yeah. This, oh, yeah the, the, that the is visuals. a party. Yeah. That is a party. Maybe some death sticks. I don't know. We'll hang out. <laughs> Sleaze Bagano. Yeah. I just, I think she is, um, she knows what makes clones ticks and she knows what makes soldiers tick, which is yeah. orders, right? So I think she was just using that to her advantage. You'd be like, nope, you're doing this. And, he, and his, programming not his literal programming but just soldier general programming kind of going okay i like an authority figure telling me what to do i'll do it which is so subtle yeah you know she has that that clone trooper helmet on her wall i mean that's prominently placed in that one scene last episode episode five and it just goes to show she knows like she knows clones she obviously knows jedi and she knows clones yeah yeah um really cool i love that we're still on ord mandel like, I, I, I was yeah. not expecting that. Part of me is, like, hoping this becomes their home base, right? Like, their base of operation. Because it's something new. It's something different. We haven't spent a lot of time in the yeah. underworld, in the darkness, right? It yeah. sounds like it could be because even at the, towards the end of this episode, I think um, newly uh, character returning characters talk to Omega. And they, you know, they say, like, oh, you guys are at Ord Mentel. Like, I, th- I heard that part of, you know, that that city was seedy and dangerous and yeah omega's. omega's like no i quite like it or it's our home or something yeah and no it, it was think, really cute she was just like she's like it is go. i love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a great character she is yeah sorry i didn't mean to derail you there no no not at all but, but um to your to, to the to your point about hunter and sid and 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 their interaction it's it it's compelling to hear Hunter in this episode um, talk about how things were clearer as a soldier. Like when he was a soldier, yeah. he could understand the galaxy, but now he's just, the galaxy is a total mystery to him again. And he doesn't know where to go. And so he's easily taken advantage of by Sid and it, it makes total sense. It feels organic. It, it works in a lot of ways. So I, yeah. I actually like what Lonnie's doing with, with, with the characters. That, that's the part that feels very THX one, one, three, eight. It's like, yeah. All right, you've been coughed out of this system. That's the only system you've known your whole life, and they're all dealing with it in their own ways in the Bad Batch. And they're really and, and they're taking their time with this development and like how they're, you know, they're progressing each week, but in baby steps and sort of yeah. how they're learning about the galaxy and just like these poor clones just trying that have been bred for a singular purpose, finding their humanity in a broken galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's the, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, and I I don't think for some reason it was this episode where I kind of clued into that, and I think it was part of those discussions as you mentioned, right? This kind of I that was easier, right? Following orders was easier, and now just I, it is 
I don't think I gave this show credit before it aired about the depth of storytelling available to it. Right. Mm-hmm. This idea of just like everything you said. So I'm not even going to try to say it because you said it perfectly, Ben. But also the idea of being abandoned by all of your family. <laughs> if all of your family is millions of people. Right. Like that's the <laughs> other thing. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, all right. So they, they go on the mission, which is great for Star Wars. Yep. We go to Corellia. I thought that was kind of an interesting call to go to Corellia. Like, I mean, that's a it's a pretty common thing for us. I mean, people that read and watch everything that we see, I'm like, oh, it's you know, that's some low hanging fruit. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have hated Sullust. Sullust could have been fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Kuat could have been cool. Um, but then you'd have yeah. Empire more. I don't know more Empire run areas, right? It's weird because the only time we've seen Corellia in you know major things are now in Solo, right? Like it's it's a big lore area, right? That reminds me. Casual Jason, have you seen Solo yet? We're still on oh, yeah. Solo watching. Yeah, get, get with us. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, and, and I just feel like it's interesting that I I don't know how to say this. I, I agree, Ben. I would have like Solace or somewhere else where like, why pull the Corellia card, right? Like it doesn't really connect to much of anything we've I seen have before. To think because it's an industrial planet. And yep. Yep. Smelting down of droids seems like an industrial operation, right? Sure. It's, yeah, sure. The conveyor belts running. It makes sense for, for Corellia. But guess what? In Star Wars, it also makes sense for an entirely new planet. Yeah, there are the, probably the hundreds of other planet. thousands yeah. of other industrial planets. That's all. It was a weird. Right. I had the same thought of like, oh, we're going here because something's going to connect. Right. Yeah. And maybe and we've been you don't spoiled. see one YT freighter. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought they might throw a couple <laughs> Easter eggs in there. I mean, if we were going to like really reach, there is a bit of synergy with um, last week's Darth Vader comic. And I, I, that would have been kind of crazy. But there, we did see Corellia last week in um, that the Darth Vader comic there. That's so. right. We oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That flashback uh, sequence. It was a flashback Darth sequence. Yeah. Vader, yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, so, okay. So we're there. And, um, and and the mission itself is to to obtain the the a commander a tactical droid right right like from the the smelting plant the decommissioning plant so yeah that's just just to frame i just wanted to frame up the mission a little bit yes yeah. thank you and that's it that. i yeah. left that out of the thing but yeah that's it find a tactical droid uh which is interesting in and of itself in a lot of ways uh because they they need their it's valuable because they have tactical information on how to fight clones yeah. and that's important because there are still clones running around working for the empire. So, um, yeah, so they're off and they're in the smelting plant. It's very episode two sort of. Oh yeah. So like Geonosis throwback. Yeah. If you close your eyes, listen to the sound similar to last week that stole so much, not stole, but used so many sounds from return. This is like all episode two, right? There's a pretty explicit homage like in the storytelling as well. And this is the other end of the rainbow. Yeah. Um, they, they, you know, from episode two, it's like, we see them being built in Geonosis and now we're seeing yep. them being decommissioned on, right. on Corellia. Um, that's great. Like they talked about this, you know, that that's not an accident no, that they, no, no. they wanted to yeah. show this and it, it's just sort of fantastic. So, uh, here are heroes trying to capture this, um, commander droid and, and it, the, the quarry gets stole out from under them. Uh, from a couple characters, and I guess we should talk about them now. Yeah. Uh, 
So this is this this is the the synergy that I didn't see coming. These two characters yeah. that we saw in right, yeah. Yeah. in season seven of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So there was three arcs in the Clone Wars, right? There was the Bad Batch arc, then yep. there was Ahsoka's arc in the middle where she hangs out with some ne'er do wells, and then there was the Ahsoka arc with Darth Maul at the end. We're like, yeah. who's the last four? Right. And which, the, yeah, which made me think like I had the same thing. Never saw it coming, and then I'm like why didn't I see it coming? I feel dumb. <laughs> like, I feel dumb that I did not guess that they were going to show up in this series because Don't beat yourself up. That's it's yeah. Like, why else would they be introduced in the last season of, of clone wars that they weren't going to be used again? Because they're dynamic characters and they gave them quite a bit of t- story time in that last season. Right. So of course we are talking about the uh, two sisters that Ahsoka runs into in some of the lower levels of Coruscant, uh, Rafa and trace. Um, Two ladies just trying to find their way in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic uh, characters in the Clone Wars, um, kind of based on their moral compass and their arc. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see them kind of in the underbelly of Coruscant. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's Rafa who's doing some kind of like seedy um, um, kind of black market trading or something. Yeah. Trace or Rafa? I, I forget which one. I can't here. remember. But um, um and yeah. I had just watch those episodes. It's crazy. Yeah, um, and they end up on, don't they end up on um, Kessel? They do. They end up in the salt mines with of Kessel. The, in, with in, the pikes. They're working for the pikes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so if the Bad Batch were mercenary curious, Rafa and Trace in season seven were scoundrel curious. You say that? Smuggler right. curious. Smuggler right? curious. Yeah. yeah. They, they were just starting to dip their toes in there, so now we're seeing a progression. They were dancing far. with the Deveronian, for sure. <laughs> but well uh, and, and, and well they needed Ahsoka to kind of bring them back to the light in a lot of ways. And I think that's exactly what happens in that yeah. three episode, four episode arc. But um, yeah, great to see them back, and so cool to see again. They're kind of like their 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 elasticity of their kind of moral you know compass, where it's like, hey, are we going to help them or are we going to take this for ourselves? Oh, they have a, they have this little girl among them. Like we, she seems innocent. We we gotta. They, these guys are good. Like they're, yeah. they're clones, but they can't be bad. Like these these guys. There's something different about them, and that's the point of the episode in a lot of ways is to show that these clones are indeed different, and different in the eyes of galactic you know citizens of all of all kinds and Trace and Rafa especially. Yeah, and uh, I love that the whole message of difference and how these how the Bad Batch are different. Uh, I really liked all that stuff and. It was cool reveal to see them take their their helmet off and to see uh, Trace and be like, whoa, like they're in this episode. This is awesome. And then they, they're yeah. after the exact same thing our Bad Batch is after the, the the head of the tactical droid. And we don't really know why they want it or who they're going to give it to. But at the end of the episode, um, we do get a kind of a glimpse or, an, or a notion as to why they're recovering it and who it's for. So. Um, and that'll, I guess, be carried forward. In- yeah, I want to step back for a second and talk about synergy in this in this series. Um, synergy. Yeah, yeah. Synergy. It, it the, the synergy is strong in this one. Um, I mean, this series has it starts off with a call back to Rebels, right? Because we see Kanan Dune, right? We we then get um, we see Clone Wars all over the place. We see the prequel trilogy. We see we haven't really got a lot of sequel trilogy, but like we get the original trilogy with Tarkin. Um, we get the Mandalorian. Like they're working every aspect of previous Star Wars into this. Yeah. 
but in a way that feels it doesn't feel stretched to me like it all yes. it makes it feel like this one giant galaxy and that's what i'm loving about the eu stuff and we talked a bit about this um off air when we talked about the books and the comics is that this stuff is doing the work that a movie can't right and and like we'll talk about when we get to comics but you know we talked about pax run on um on darth vader which is like really connecting original trilogy with sequel trilogy right and i feel like the bad batch is connecting episode three with episode four in a way that others haven't right just seeing the transition between the republic to the empire and then having all these characters interact it doesn't seem weird to me that we're in a world where we have fennec shand and and rafa and trace and tarkin right all right. interacting yeah that's yeah, yeah that's a really good point and i mean like that's what i like to think what we do for other people. It's hard to sort of take, you know, stay on top of all this stuff, even though I enjoy every second of every piece of media I imbibe from yep. Star Wars. I, people have a limited time and they it's have a lot. a lot of other needs, you know, but hopefully if you're listening yeah. to us, we can we can connect those dots for you. Because when you look at it from the, you know, 10,000 click view, 20,000 click view, you can sort of, you, you see how, how artfully these have all been put together. Yeah. Something else I'm noticing about Filoni and the the writing staff on this uh, on this series is that they're really funny. Like these, they're really, yes. really funny. There's a the echo gag. In oh this yeah, yeah, it's a good bit. One yes. of the funniest Thank moments you. in Star Wars storytelling, like of late. Like I laughed out loud. For is there an echo in here? He's like, it's, I'm echo. It is <laughs> a artfully done callback to who's on first, right? Yeah. In a very thoughtful way, and not doing that gag too long, but it 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 was I I watched I that was the part I rewinded the most in this episode because I was like that setup is great, it's natural, like it so makes sense as you would say is there's an echo in here, like it it's not it forced, forced at all at all. Super it was so weird. organic. <laughs> it was it's really good. And and Grant, you're absolutely right. This is some of the funniest stuff in Star Wars that I've really been enjoying, and it's not. Like this reminds me of Pixar level funny where the kid and the adult are both going to enjoy this, right? The parent and the child are both going to enjoy this for they're going to have their own little things they enjoy and there's going to be things they come together with, right? And I can imagine watching this when my daughter's a little older, both of us chuckling on that echo joke, right? And then her really connecting with Omega and watching Omega and me kind of connecting with other things, but both of us enjoying this equally, right? It, it, it is really threading that needle. Yeah, and I, I was going to say on the synergy note, they... I wonder if there is like, okay, there's a lot more viewers, a lot more eyes on Star Wars when Mandalorian came out. And yeah. so maybe people are like, okay, I'll give this animated series that just came out a try. Right. And maybe I'm a casual viewer. Mandalorian tie-in, basically. Like people are right. watching these things being yeah. like, where is the tie-in to the Mandalorian? Yeah. The only show I've watched, you know. Right. Or, yeah. And, and maybe I've seen the original trilogy and a couple of the other movies or whatever. And they're already getting these like lore bombs and they're getting some of the lore bombs and they're like, oh, like that's what that's why Star Wars to me is fun. You feel how massive the galaxy is as these little threads like cross in everything that you're yeah. doing. And it's it, it just makes this beautiful tapestry when you when you stand back and, and see it. Yeah, I can't, I kind of love the like kind of parallel commentary on the other films and other um, series and things like that, especially like. In this, I think at the end of this episode, uh, Rafa, I think, tells Hunter, like, we all choose sides. Yep. Yeah. And that was, to me, I immediately thought of DJ and thought of the last yep. Jedi, all these kind of things. And I was yep. like, 
it's just incredible kind of commentary on the previous, you know, films, things like that. And so it's not just characters and locations that are being mixed into it. It's, it's also just, you know, the films are talking to each other. Like the, the yeah. Star Wars stories are all talking to each other as well. Yeah. The, Grant, you, sorry to interrupt you there. No, but no, no. I, go for it. Grant, you said, so you said you watched the arc again in season seven with I Rafa did, and yeah. Trace. Was so that line obviously that you mentioned about like you know yeah, there's it, you always have to pick a side. It's a was parallel that? not only to the Last Jedi. It's also a parallel to Trace and Rafa's interactions with Ahsoka. I was going to say, she, did Ahsoka say that? I was wondering Zach, that too. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it's Ahsoka may have said it. I don't know if I, I wasn't watching too closely, but there's a there's a point in the arc where I think Rafa says, uh, "You're a Jedi. You can't help. You can't help it. You're a Jedi, or at least you're the you're." you're how I wish the Jedi would be. Yeah. And to me, that is the, the kind of the core of who Ahsoka is in a lot of ways is that right. she kind of, she kind of exhibits the, the tenets of the Jedi in the truest form that she's just a good person, always there to help, but isn't going to be weighed down by, uh, Politics, bureaucratic, bureaucracy. You know, yeah. yeah. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it was cool to see that stuff all be mirrored in this episode. Yeah, Grant, I really like that. This there's an idea that like there's a synergy of the morals in Star Wars and the ethics of Star Wars. Like, because there is very much, and and the last Jedi kind of nailed it down with that DJ arc of like, there is no middle ground. Yes, DJ believes that yes, they're, they're people. It's like, yes, he 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 almost got to an argument, there's good people on both sides. Right, right. Which is the Mayfeld argument. <sighs> Not great in red. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that Mayfeld episode because it's so and it's the antithesis of 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 the actor who plays Mayfield's philosophy in that episode, because he says that and then he sees true evil and understands in that episode that there are not equals, that there is true evil out there. And so but I love that that that, that really Star Wars has been nailing that down in a really thoughtful way from the beginning, the beginning, A New Hope there are clear good guys and clear bad guys. Yeah. And we can mess around with that a little bit, but when we get to the end of a movie, like even the last Jedi, which plays around with this, it is really clear when you're on the, when you're on the ground at crate, who is evil and who is good, right? <laughs> it, like there is, there are true evil and true good in the star Wars universe. And I appreciate that. We kind of get this and that you can't just sit on the sidelines and hope this stuff just goes away. And so anyway, I just, I, I like that. You're great. You kind of you you hit the nail on the head. Where you're kind of like they're nailing this this messaging down between all of their stories, and I and I appreciate that. Yeah. Star Wars is is quite possibly the ultimate document on good and evil. You know, in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. And it's great to have the characters constantly philosophically, you know, uh, talk to each other about what that means. You know, what's in the, in the long run, you know, e even though you make a choice one day, like I think it's more of a lot of, you're making many choices. You're not yes, just you know, right. at one point in time, you're not choosing a side. It's even, I think in the, um, in the kind of opening text you get before some, I think the Clone Wars episodes with Rafe and Trotha, with Trace and Rafa, you get, I think the line is like who you were doesn't have to define who you are today. And like, yeah. So if you go back and look at those Clone Wars episodes with, with Rafa and Trace, you're getting even more, you know, philosophical um, uh, ruminations about the good versus evil, you know, dialogue in those kind of opening blurbs, like those opening yeah. uh, axioms. I mean, that's the thing, right? Star Wars also is there's true good, there's true evil, but there's always a chance for redemption. 
I mean, that's that's the Darth Vader arc, which right. you can argue is that true redemption. He slaughtered younglings, but he does at the end. Right. We could we could talk about our cynical views of that or my cynical views of that. He does it at the end, make a decision that changes the galaxy. Puts the galaxy back in an arc for good, right? By destroying the empire, emperor, and sacrificing himself. We get that with Ben Solo, right? We get these yeah. last-minute redemption arcs. To take it even like deeper, like you know, I'm thinking about online. There's always a lot of talk about gray Jedi, and then there's pushback, yeah. specifically by Hidalgo, who's you know the keeper of the chronology. There, he's you know there is no gray Jedi. You either make good decisions or bad decisions, and it's just a very important point. But I get why a lot of the population is like, well, I'm not always good and I'm not always bad. You know, why can't I have a Jedi that has both? And I think now they're exploring that area in a, in, in a really interesting way with a lot of different characters where it's like it's about decision to decision. Yeah. And, you know, and choosing the dark path has bad consequences. And, and, and that's that's what they're illuminating. You know, it's there is no such thing as righteous evil. No, right. no. Right. Like, is it so I guess the difference is with Grey Jedi where I kind of push back is that that just means a person makes an equal amount of good and back decisions. Right. Which I guess is a possibility if we're looking at us. But Star Wars seems to suggest, and I don't know if this is true in the real world, that there are good and bad people. But that doesn't mean that bad people can't make good decisions and good people can't make occasional bad decisions. Right. And, right. and I think that's a difference that Lucasfilm is making. That's a, yeah. they're they're now exploring that territory and defining yeah. it more. That's, um, that's the new frontier of moral ambiguity. Yeah, this, this entire dialogue that's been on right. since Which new... takes a really deft touch. And, you know, they're doing it in a pseudo kid story. Yeah, and they're doing it really well in a very yeah. entertaining way. I think I think someone could, you know, write a thesis that there we have seen gray Jedi already. Like, I think, yeah, like rail Avaros. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he really felt yeah. like the epitome yep. of what gray Jedi. Wow, good pull, Grant. So Bill Avaros was a Jedi in the Master and Apprentice novel that I can't think yeah. of the author of right now. This might be too deep of a cut, but yeah, it's a no, it's a great uh, cut. Claudia Gray's Master and Claudia Apprentice. Gray, yeah, it's Claudia Gray. Gray. Okay, it's our, our, our favorite. Up. Yeah, you just looked behind you, Adam. I love that at your bookshelf in your. I I pulled it Gray. before I could find it because I don't think I own it. He, in he's a Jedi that's back. left the order, but unlike Ahsoka, he's not he's not this kind of beacon of light. He's like smoking death sticks. He's got vices. He's like does stuff for money. He's like a bodyguard. I think like, it's just, yeah, he's yeah. It's just, it seems like if there was a gray Jedi, I would probably peg it to him. I mean, I could see the arguments for like, I, Lynn Voss or like, you know, other. Characters. Yeah. I, I could make an argument for Luke Skywalker right now. And we've talked about it. Totally. Like, yeah, totally. But, yeah. You know, he's, he's, you know, unmentored for most of his career and, you know, he killed a perfectly innocent rancor. Um, yeah. That we may have seen before. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, like he's, you know, he he choked out Gamorrean guards, like a, a real, you know. Yeah, he uh, whined about would do a, that. He whined about a guy he met an hour ago dying to a person who literally lost their entire planet. He killed Mooch. Yeah. He killed Mooch. Yeah, he killed Mooch. Yeah, should should we just do it on air, Adam? Do you want to <laughs> you want to explain? I I okay. So yeah, I we, we talked about this a lot here because I'll have a little more background. And this is, I think, this is the Bad Batch retconning as they like to do a little bit. So. In previous stories, and I can't quite figure out where my cat just stepped on my keyboard and <laughs> got rid of the page I was looking at. So I had this all lined up. Oh, here we go. Uh, feel free to keep that in. Uh, so the okay. Rancor in Jabba's palace is named Patissa. 
Batisa is Hatiz for friend. Now, the lore from Wikipedia is that uh, Bit Fortuna gave Bit Fortuna gave Jabba this at some point before or during 32 BBY. So that'd be that'd be well before where we're at now in the Bad Batch, correct? Yeah, because Bad Batch is about 18, 20, 18, 20 yeah. BBY. Now I don't know where that story comes from. I'd have to go a little deeper, but I feel like you could kind of retcon that. Fudge so the, a fudge bit. the numbers a little bit. Um, oh, it's a uh, life debt mentioned only first identified as Patisa. So it must've been in life debt in one of those weird, um, Chewbacca. it's either life debt or legends of Luke Skywalker. So I think either of those you could very oh. easily retcon. Right. So here's the thing. Oh, it was a Wendig affair. Yeah. We can go back and figure this out a little more. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to go off half cocked, but I feel like, Jabba the Hutt's not the type of person, or more likely Bib Fortuna is not the type of person to keep a Rescue Pets original name, right? It makes yeah, sense. I didn't that keep my Rescue Pets original name. Neither did I. Um, but to be fair, but to, to to then make myself look better, my is also named after a Star Wars character, so that works. Um, so my thought is, is that Bib Fortuna, it's weird. Okay. Why would you have Bib Fortuna in a show specifically trying to get a rancor and then that rancor not be the only rancor we've ever seen associated with Bib Fortuna. That's bad storytelling. <laughs> that makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense is that he got this renamed Moochie to Patisa and gave it to Jabba the Hutt. And that is the one that Luke Skywalker kills. And right. until it's you prove it to me otherwise, which means we see Moochie and some other later saying, and then we see, unless we see Patisa and Moochie in the same room at the same time, yeah, they are the same the character. The same stacked in, in your favor, Adam, because we get yeah. the exact, I mean, sam sound sample, like the roar. I, I was just about to say that. We talked about that last week, Grant. Like, it's the exact sound sample from Return of the Jedi. Like, like yeah. unaltered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know what? And I'm going to call out comicbook.com right now. Oh, whoa. Yeah. They're, I'm putting them on blast, which I think is a thing. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> kids are saying 10 years. Yeah, ago. kids are saying in 2015. Um, like they have this whole article about why why that rancor in Bad Batch cannot be the rancor. In oh, they took the, that. Angle. And I'm like, calm down. Like if the Bad Batch has done anything in its first episode, it proved that it does not treat canon, the new canon as sacred or precious. Right. We talked about this. It plays around in a very beautiful way with Caleb Dune's story. And so they're clearly just not going like the, the story groups giving him a little leeway going, OK, yeah. So he got the he got the he got the Rancor in 32 BBY in some side story in a book from seven years ago. Well, you know what? We could so it. The, the mission was a rescue mission. So that Rancor was stolen from them. Right. Yeah. So they could have had it since 32 BBY. It was stolen. Oh, brought it back. There you go. You have success, successfully retconned the retcon. So there we go. Yeah. It's all so. like they're, they're, they're very fungible with their from a certain point of view in the new canon. But yeah. it's not like the old canon where things like just directly like contradict yeah. what was going, you know, what, what happened before. Um, so comicbook.com, you're wrong. You're wrong. You heard it here probably at least one of the top 100 times. Yeah. 
Um, okay, cool. How about we get back into this episode? <laughs> What's happening now? Oh, I have a good way to get us off this. Uh, so is Wrecker's chip malfunctioning, or is it I just going to cautionary... go Wrecker too, man? It's like, or is it a cautionary tale for CTE? Ooh. I, why can't it be both? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've so we've talked about this every week. It's just like digging time bomb. This hard. Yeah. For like the yeah. 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 It's just like the fuse is getting shorter and shorter and i was like like honestly when i sat down i'm like how are they going to move the wrecker plot forward this week like i just knew there was going to be a scene or two and they really jumped forward to we actually heard good soldiers follow orders out of his mouth yes yeah um so they're gonna have to deal with that and they're, they're doing a really good job of making wrecker lovable um you know mm-hmm. the fact that he owns a teddy bear goes a long way uh to do that but um yeah so th- they moved that plot forward how can you not love wrecker um, he's, he's great. So, yeah, but I mean, there's, a, I don't know. It, I think, I think it's, I think it's both. I think there's also like a CTE thing there, or maybe the CTE thing is masking the, right. the you know, the, the chip malfunction. Um, my hope is that, uh, Omega is going to have some medical knowledge and like, she obviously knows more about these chips than any of them. So she's going to be the one that's going to be able to save Wrecker. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So we're talking about this and I, I just want to sort of, take another left turn here so i i love ensemble casts right i have a seven samurai tattoo on my arm because i of like it's the original ensemble and I, I love them and usually they're so neat they're so clean in star wars there's just like you do this you do this you do this and this series doesn't have that at all it's yeah. like they're they're broken and messed up like they don't the fact that they don't have their sniper they've got their heavy in a in a sniper's nest trying to like take care of the stuff that he's not equipped to do. They've got two other like tactical like members that have overlapping skills. Hunter is not really, he's a babysitter now and you know, which is endearing and he's, you know, he's like a father, but he's like, and and he's also a leader. And it's interesting that Hunter's also our sort of avatar. Like we, we see most of the story take place through his eyes. And then we have Omega and we have no idea what Omega is still six episodes into this. She's just like, she's a kid and she's lovable and she's talented and she does a lot of great things. Um, but she doesn't have a role yet. She does have a weapon. Which yeah. But I, like Enigma. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're also faking you out with the ensemble building because it, it, it at times I think it's going to take the Mandalorian route, which is building the team, right? The, every season of the Mandalorian is building the team. Right. Well, both seasons so far. And in this, we've had two ep- three, uh, two episodes of this felt like they were building the team, right? We first get Fennec Shan, and you're like, oh, maybe she'll join the... Nope, she's gone at the end of the episode to yeah. come back for whatever. And then we have this Rafa and Trace, and I'm like, oh, maybe they're going to join... Nope, nope, they're gone, right? Which I kind of love. Like, they, they're playing around this, because, Ben, I had the same thought of, like, this ensemble's incomplete. There's redundancies in it. It's really fascinating, because it makes me feel like they're disposable characters, and they may play on that. Yeah. And and there are holes in their roster that they're going to have to fill at some point to be successful. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's definitely it's, like a metaphor for the, the, the clones place in the galaxy as well. I mean, mm. they're they're now they're now have to figure out what to do with their talents. And like and I love that the group, you know, they're no longer going with their specialities. They're now, you know, in forced into unfamiliar territory. And it's it's so cool because it's like it, this whole show is about exploring the unfamiliar territory for this this one elite, you know, group of clone soldiers and it's it's great it's a genius engine for a yeah scene. they're also dieharding it meaning like 
at the end of every episode, they're not coming out completely unscathed. Like they are beat and broken at the end of most of these Poor episodes. Record got shot again. Yep, right? again, right? And so I think that kind of also points to the fact that they need to figure out what their team is because they're not functioning well as a team right. right now. Yeah. It's not clean. It's not clean at all. Um, gosh, where to go next? I feel like there's there's a uh, hundred pounds. Has Omega saved the day twice now? Oh, at least, at least, yeah. Well, yeah. that's what a, that's what a Jedi will do. Oh, boy. See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is my big theory now. I think I, you guys probably are going down the same path here, but uh, I'm thinking Wrecker's chip acts up, but Omega has like you know early force powers that start to develop, like developing force powers, and and then you get you get that clash. Yeah, like, yeah. I think he, that's because he's I already think, making us love them the most. Filoni's doing this really insidious thing where he's yeah. like, "Oh, you love Wrecker and Omega, don't you? How about I tear them apart and tear your heart out at the same yeah. time?" I think his turn is going to be the same at the same scene or episode where we get her powers being obvious for the first time. I, I wow. think that yeah. you guys. So all right, that's so. First of all, that's brilliant storytelling. I love your angle. I'm like. She's going to find a medic droid and fix his brain. Like, that's where I'm going. I, I, I know we've talked about her possibly being a Jedi and how many brilliant ways that ties into the story. And so I'm beginning to think I'm dumb, but I'm just going to put it on the record. I think, like, maybe she's not a Jedi. Maybe she's just has another thing that makes her special. All right. That sounds stupid even saying. No, I like it. Fun. I'd be, I, by the way, I'm not even pulling for this. I'd be perfectly content if they do not make her force sensitive or a Jedi. I just feel like it's hard for Star Wars, as we've yeah. talked about. And I will not bring up the solo conundrum again, but to not have a force user in some way in your movie or show. Right. And they, they kind of they checked a box with Caleb Dune, but um, yeah, early on. But yeah, I, it, it makes so much sense. And I feel bad now that you've done it because I feel like you guys are right. Well, with like the it would be such a reveal, you know? Yeah. Well, with like the with, uh, you know, Wrecker's chip, you know, acting up. Yeah. And it, it eventually going haywire is like, what does that mean? Is he going to immediately betray his fellow clones? Like, I don't think so. I think what the dangerous aspect of his chip going, you know, haywire is that he might attack a force sensitive or a Jedi. Right. right. That's the, what I'm does, thinking. So. Yeah. Does the chip make them know who a force sensitive is or do they have to be like dressed up and wearing holding a lightsaber? Well, I can picture Palpatine being, you know, sinister enough to make it so anyone with force powers is a target you know what i mean like just to just to just to clear the chessboard you know yeah. yeah that would be um I, you know actually the other thing that might be a misdirect so we have her her um her light bow which i yeah. love by the way yeah. yeah it's a great weapon for her but it really makes me think if you've played um the most recent episode uh, or edition of Ga uh, God of War, um, his son, uh, Atreus. Atreus, yeah. Kratos' son, Atreus. And it, it just feels like an Atreus character, which I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool, like, you know, tagline character. Like, definitely has Atreus. Um, she has Atreus vibes there. Yeah. Um, but it is like a light weapon and it'd be like a force sensitive with a light bow would be pretty I mean, cool. it's big yeah. for a comic series, honestly. Like older yeah. Omega with a light bow. Like, come on, let's go. Let's I go. mean, oh, like a Jedi Robin Hood? Basically, oh, yeah. That's what that I'm getting. Amazing. <laughs> so we have heard the term M count. 
Yeah. In uh, in Mandalorian, right? So part of me wonders if like there's not a scene where someone is doing a test on Omega and someone okay. says she has a really high M count or midichlorian count or whatever, yeah. and that triggers Wrecker, right. right? Like Wrecker then knows that she's a Jedi and that flips the switch. Right. Or like, yeah, or she like does. They have something. to go through a checkpoint or something. Yeah, or she does something that is clearly a Jedi move, accidentally moves something with her mind, does something like that flicks the switch and then i also see her since again we in in one week in star wars history which is amazing we went from jedi healing might be a thing to jedi healing is definitely a thing because we saw it in the mandalorian in episode nine all within one week of each other which was just insane but i can also see her just reaching out because she knows it right and just like fixing like fixing the switch with her mind like fixing fixing the um the chip the chip with her mind that would be cool because i mean she could do it to to uh Crosshair. Uh, crosshair. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'd love to see Crosshair back in the Yeah. See, I'm I'm seeing tragedy all around for the end of this series. Like I, everybody I, dies. I'm seeing it, it, <laughs> my kind of my speculation is that Grant like, always goes to tragedy. I never... think we might get record. I think record might you know go after Omega, but then sacri- pull a sacrifice play. Maybe. That'd be fun. Maybe a cross okay. maybe crosshair takes out Wrecker. Like, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking, but I don't know. Hunter takes out Wrecker because, like, and if a force heal happens, I wouldn't be surprised. If like an old yellow or old yeller. Yeah, Hunter has to put record down. Maybe. I mean, yeah, that's he's sounds, a rabbit yeah, dog. You're jo- you're joking. We want to go dark. Let's I go mean, dark. It could get dark. This, I'm seeing a Rogue One sort of ending for this series. That's just that's just all right. Given that we saw real a lot of violence early on in this series, I'm betting that the ending is extremely tragic. But that's just a, that's just a bet. Maybe. Um, speaking of the ending, should we just get to yes, yeah, the good. reveal and have some speculation? Ben, for certain, knows who this yeah, person I've is. Yeah, i already got it. So why don't you guys go first, and then oh, I'll tell you who it actually is. <laughs> All right, I have three. Uh, do you want to set it up though, like what we're talking about? If you haven't watched the episode, yeah, uh, I can set it yeah, up real quick. Do. Yeah. Um, okay, so by the end of this, so Hunter makes a moral choice, and he gets this information after Rafa and Trace have, but like Rafa's like you're getting this super dangerous information and just giving it to some rando. Like we're going to give it to people that are going to fight the empire and do some good. Yeah. Or, you know, it, like, and, and Hunter hears that and he's like, yep, that's the right thing to do. And, and ultimately gives the, that's information that they were trying to receive to them to do the right thing with Rafa and trace take off and they reach out to their contact who is hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hologram. We know it's a mm-hmm. he, it's mm-hmm. definitely pronoun he, and she she says what happens, and there's this these rogue clones, and they can be found on Ort Mandel. Um, and so the the big question is, who is this he? Who is their contact that they are hopefully doing virtuous things? I mean, first of all, do we take them at their word that they're they are going to do virtuous things? Because they've I mean they've played both sides before we know, but we yeah. see Rafa and Tracer on the good guys side at this point. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, I think so. They've always been yeah. good people, right? Just yeah. trying to make some money. Proto but... rebels, basically, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. That's that's also very fun, where we're seeing other proto rebels other than rebels, uh, the rebels animated series. Um, okay, so who wants to go first? 
Who is who is this mysterious contact? I'll take a stab in the dark. I'll take yeah. a stab. I have three, but I'm gonna. I've locked in. Three. I have. And I've locked in one. So, but Grant, you want to go? And I'll see. If you take mine, I'll go to a different one. So let's see. I I want to say it's Bale. Oh yeah. So that was what I was gonna say. Oh, so okay. Are we all just gonna say it's Bale Organa. It's definitely Bale Organa. Okay, it's Bale Organa. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I am so happy because I had three possibilities, but Bale is my number one. So that's really great. All right. I meant Christian Bale. Sorry. Oh, Christian Christian Bale. Bale. It's Christian Bale. American Psycho. (laughs) Yeah, it's Bale, right? Yeah. Bale or Gotta be. Like, it's, and Ben, why are you so sure? This is what I'm curious about because I could see it going other ways. I mean, who else could it be? Yeah. You know, like early early rebellion, earliest early rebellion, like the earliest rebel was Bale Organa. And, you know, and Mon Moth was in the room and I I don't know, and a couple of aliens that I can't, you know, yeah, or a couple non-humans that I can't think of their name right now. I mean, it looked humanoid, but it was cloaked. It looked kind of like a series I want most is a kind of, you know, Leia is like 10 years old and Bale is is doing all this kind of secret activity to start the rebellion. Like, I really want to shoehorn Leia into this. Well, they could. It'd be infant Younger. Leia, right? It'd be yeah. like little baby Leia, which I'm oh, sure yeah, you see. be an infant. They're literally, like, yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So I think Bale is my number one too. It just makes sense for all those reasons. And plus, there's like the poetry of seeing him in a hologram, right? The first time we see, yeah. Like, there's something about that. Um. I did have the other possibilities, which were not as high, was Sagarera, but we've already seen him. But he's also high on that. And mm-hmm. then my outside was Baby Boba. Baby Boba, but I don't. But be, he's not that, really a virtuous. Character. But that would have to mean that Rafa and Trace were being duped, right? Like we're being hoodwinked yeah. by him. But I really do think I, I, I agree. I think Bale was the one I was going to go with. So yeah, I think I think Bale. Saw is Saw is. I mean, we've already been introduced to Saw, so it would make sense there that they wouldn't introduce a new person in that way. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he does. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about that, but they that it, it would make sense. They could possibly fall in with some ne'er-do-wells and that but you know he was because we know he's active and we've seen what's going on there that that's actually a, a, a overlook by, on my part no but i i think bail is it like bail was the one i when i was sitting there watching it i'm like bail like that that's what dropped popped in my head immediately when i was watching it the first watch through so i think that's great I, since you guys since we're all going bail here i want to do something fun and not go with bail for my bet my, my guess here okay um, because, you know, that over-the-shoulder shot we get, it does look like the character is wearing Jedi robes. And I've never seen... I don't think I've seen Bale in robes. Like I, no, but he wears a cape, doesn't he? He wears, like, flowing uh, yeah, no, he did. That was what he's wearing. He wears, like, a brown Over-the-shoulder cape, cape, cape thing. It's like yeah. a... Yeah, it's like a good, the bad, and the ugly Clint Eastwood sort of thing. This looks like... A, this looks like In Rogue One, Jedi that's what he's clothes. wearing. This looks like Jedi robes, and it almost makes sense that it would be a Jedi because of Wrecker's chip going active, you know, going crazy. And, it, and if we, if Omega isn't a Force sensitive, this would be a great way to bring in a character that Wrecker would go go after, you know. So yeah. I'm gonna guess Ethkoff. Oh, I was gonna say Ethkoff. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So last we saw Ethkoff, you know, he went to um, uh, not Aqualish, uh, Mon Calamari, right? Was that that where Ethkoff uh, went? He's in that arc, I think, that Vader arc. Yeah, I thought he was hiding out on Mon Calamari with his. I thought he was too, but I think he's on a different planet. I think he. I think we go meet him just after Mon Cala, but I'm. Yeah, he's the guy with the horns, the head horns. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I got nothing. I remember the arc, but I cannot tell you what planet. I, they were I on. like the East Coth car. Yeah, that would be that yeah. would be pretty cool. It'd be fun to see a surviving member of the council who made it out and is somehow helping the fledgling rebellion. Like that would yeah. be really fun, in my, in my opinion. That would be super. And fun. give Wrecker something to punch that's not Omega. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, quick fight, probably. On a complete, not a completely different note, but since we know it's a male, right, based on pronoun usage. Um, separate question is. How long until we get Ahsoka in this show? Yeah, I thought that was going to be Ahsoka. I had a thought because, too, yeah. yeah. I missed the pronoun the first watch through, and I, I just yeah. happened to watch it a second time, and it, and I was like, I'm paying very close attention during that scene, and then I caught the he, and I was like, oh, all right, because Ahsoka was my first guess. Yeah, because you got, what, what's her name? In Rebels? Talk. Pen? No. What's her code name? Fulcrum. Um, Fulcrum. 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 There yeah. you go, Grant. Thank you. And it's there. And obviously, they, those uh, Rafa and Trace have connections to Ahsoka. Yeah. So that makes sense. But yeah, and I don't know how tight Ahsoka's contact is with Bale, but it's tighter than it would be with Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Oh, wait. Nope. She worked with Saw Gerrera on Onderon. Oh, she, right. She, right, right, she right. actually knows Saw Gerrera really well. Yeah, and we know she's active. She like, started the like the rebellion on Onderon. Yeah. Guys, it was Benthic Two Tubes. That's who it was. <laughs> Benthic Two Tubes. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'm all about the Benthic Two Tubes. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of Benthic Two Tubes exposure in the comics, I think. It, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Deep cut. Right. In uh, the in the main run, right? Because yeah, because yeah, Luke went to Jedha. For sure, Luke fights Benthic Two Tubes at one point. <laughs> oh man, the comics are doing yeah. the work, man. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, all right, so again, this this is more the reason why I'm like, can we just get like a 45 or 50 minute episode a week? Because it's I'm like, okay. talk about cliffhanger, huge cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, at the I'm, end, I'm enjoying the 24 minute like arc. I'm, I don't know. I just it, you're in, you're out. But like, I think what I'm liking about it is because. It's really taking its time in a way that I was not expecting. Like we are more than a third of the way through this season and they have not settled yet. Right. There's no like we, we got the mission in the like the first episode was the pilot. The second episode restated the pilot. And we're still kind of there in a good way, like a slow progression. But we don't know what the Bad Batch is going to turn out to be. Are they going to be mercenaries? Are they going to be like, I, I'm really enjoying that they're taking this long. And I don't know where the arc ends in 12 episodes or no, uh, 10 episodes if they're not just still not sure who they are. Right. Like, I just yeah. really enjoying how, how slow they're playing it. Yeah, it is but pretty. Maybe great. they liberate the clones and give them somewhere safe to live. Well. So yeah. we're talking about clones right now. So this is more than a MacGuffin in this. This it's information. THX. That's what this is. You already said it earlier, Ben. Yeah. I mean, so but the, the ramifications of having this knowledge, should it pl- proliferate and get back to Tarkin and Tarkin knows that the the whatever fledgling rebellion uh, has the answer to all of the clones strategic plays. That is the last nail coffin of them using exactly i had the same yeah same thought right that is that's what it's going to be that's what's going to be the straw that breaks the camel back right where he's just like look they all work together they all we know they now everyone knows the rebels know their weakness all their weaknesses we have to go with human or right we need these loyal like yeah you know death mercenaries 
um, that we have to, to, to do. And it, it just, it made me think today once I understood that I was like, imagine that writer's room. Like, obviously that was one of the holes they had to fill. Why right. does the empire stop using clones? Cause I mean, to me, it's like, well, they're perfect killing machines and they're, you know, they're trained and they're loyal and they, they have all the things, you know, and, and it, it, they really have to get creative just to move it over. And I feel like this is a fan, someone, yep. some genius in that room was like, they already know all the strategy. The strategy, clone strategy is documented and solved. And yeah. they've done a lot of legwork on this in the last couple seasons, certainly in season seven. And actually the beginning of this season, right? The the whole Echo arc, actually, no, that was seven, right? They yeah. The whole retrieving Echo was, was, you know, the problem was Rex is like, they know our moves before we're going to do them. Right. And that's why they had to get Echo back because he was, you know, feeding that information machine and, and, um, and stemming all of the, the clones tactics. And so this, that just makes a lot of sense. That it's does. That's pretty, right. Pretty, yeah. Pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, so you talked about comedy. This is one thing I want, I just meant, I wanted to throw this in there when they reanimate the droids. Yeah. And he's like, did we win? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that, really it good. was high comedy to me. And I just, this I just have this soft spot in my heart for B one battle droids. No, like They're, at first I was like, "Are you kidding me with these I guys?" Know. But like, it's like, all right, here, here we are. So that was what nineteen ninety nine, and now we're in twenty twenty one. Like twenty two years later, that gag is paying off for me, George. So thanks very much for agreed. Being agreed. Yeah. That was the single best thing that could happen in this episode. Yeah. reactivating all the drugs. Yeah, the they're drugs. like, okay, and like one just throws himself at somebody, like doesn't have a weapon, and it's just <laughs> oh, like, whoa, I'm gonna start attacking you. And <laughs> I'll tell you, if you ever see, I don't know if it's ever gonna go on again, but they, there's an exhibit that toured for a while in museums of uh, the props from Star Wars. If you see a B1 tactical battle droid, they made full size version of these. They're terrifying. They're like seven feet tall. They're like Kevin Garnett made of steel. They're, they're like, <laughs> they are terrifying. Like you would not want, like they look kind of like, okay, you know, they're kind of janky, like skeletons with guns. But like when you see them in person, they're humongous and, yeah. and terrifying. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's kind of cool. I, I love that aspect of them. And of course, if you read Aftermath, you know, Mr. Bones is like. Amazing. Right. Oh, Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, R.I.P. Mr. Bones, uh, and um, yeah. So, the, all right. So, I have one other question for you guys about this. We've already been talking about this episode for an hour. Oh wow. Uh, the uh, do you think? Why do you think that these clones are inherently good? Like Hunter, like they're like Hunter looked inside himself and he said, "This is the right thing to do." Like these are trained killers. They're trained warriors. Like all they know is the next mission, right? And their next mission was to recover this information. Like, what? Why aren't they just like kill them all and and take what we need? Huh. Could it be Jedi leadership? Could it be the propensity to, to good because they were led by Jedi during the war or interacted with many Jedi throughout? The yeah, war? I think that's a good point. I think so many of the so many of the clones were somewhat inherently good. The ones we've encountered, right? being um led by the jedi it was only until the chip activated right like think of all the other ones we've met but that's the the thing i was thinking the same thing but then we don't know a lot about the 
uh, Bad Batch pre their arc, right? We don't know where they were at, who was leading them, how much Jedi interaction they had. I mean, right? Hunter was their leader and they just get pointed in a direction and they just yeah Ill. so that's a really interesting question of like why is this group which seems so disconnected from the core yeah I guess you could just chalk it up to like well they're a little haywire right because they're yeah they're misdirected clones but I mean generally we see with Captain Rex you know just a good dude Wolf like yep all of them are inherently good until their chips go off and tell them to yeah, something yeah, yeah. Else. even Rex you know sort of he turned on the Jedi, but he fought it. You know, I like to think, you know, Commander Cody is like probably a good dude. You know, he protected his Obi-Wan till the end until he tried to kill him. But, <laughs> yep. um, you know, it uh, it's such a tragic story. But it's just interesting that these clones are inherently good, which I, maybe Jango is inherently good or is it like nature nurture? I don't know. Maybe this is too big. a. a no, but it's an interesting. Is. Yeah, question. Go, you go ahead, Adam. Okay. No, I was just going to say, I, it's an interesting question because, right, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Django is inherently good. I, you know, he may be like, right, like lawful neutral, if we're going to use those terms the way I see him somewhat. But like, I don't know. I, I got nothing. It's uh, we don't know a lot about the clones, right, about who raised them, whether it's I, I don't know. I don't have an answer, but it's a really interesting question. The key difference with the Bad Batch and the other clones is that the Bad Batch saw through the facade of Order 66. Like, they saw the chips get triggered, and they saw clones who had great admiration for Jedi just turn on them in a split second. And they never lost that admiration for the Jedi. They never lost that that um, that deep devotion to the Jedi. And that's why I think they're good, ultimately. Yeah. Because they were, like, so closely associated with the Jedi. Totally. Yeah. And they saw the sinister plan that was Order 66 take form before their eyes. And they were like, oh, this is this is dark. And this is yeah, if this is, is our purpose. I want to do anything but this. I want to figure out a new path forward. And that's I think where Hunter is at right now. Yeah. Which really raises a lot of interesting questions surrounding the uh, Kaminoans. Yep. Because they I mean, they're essentially their only motivation right now is we're watching Lama Sue in this is like they just want to keep making money. I mean, they're, yeah, they're all about the credits clones, yeah. but they seem to have created these clones with a good soul. Like for their purpose, they're like, OK, they're going to be the protectors of the defenders of peace and justice in the galaxy. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting point, right? They weren't probably they weren't probably privy to. Order 66 being what it was, because it's the 66 order, right? It makes sense that the chancellor would say, well, we don't know about Jedi. There's a chance it could turn bad. If they turn bad, we have to be able to turn. So so I can see the Kaminoans right. putting it in there with no ill intentions, just saying, yeah, this is a safety protocol. It's the 66 safety protocol of hundreds, perhaps, right? Right. But then I like that idea, Ben, of realizing, well, these are the protectors of the Republic, so we have to make them inherently good. So maybe there is there was some programming, right, in, or training right. about ethics in their early days that then Order 66 overrode. Fascinating. I mean, the fact yeah. that we've talked about this episode, it's like, what, 32, 38-minute episode? for yeah. an hour i've literally watched the episode two and a half times over while we've been talking about it. i haven't been playing over here yeah <laughs> and i mean it was just like oh it's fun it's like a ridiculous thinks we should move on yes <laughs> yeah this is um yeah totally but no that like i don't know it's a tribute to the writing i know we've been gushing all night about this <laughs> uh but 
now as as the the flower opens and we're starting to see its true beauty uh it's really pretty mesmerizing yeah totally um all right party all right welcome back uh we are in the midst of the war of the bounty hunter a subsidiary of kyber uh, crystal comics corner got it uh so enough so in my head with that uh anyway we are uh thank you guys first off for saving uh afra number 10 for me i know that was last week but i appreciated waiting until i came back um so let's talk about uh their last prelude, and then we'll jump directly into War of the Bounty Hunters number one. Uh, so, Dr. Afro number 10, War of the Bounty Hunters prelude, The Invitation. Um, really, you could also call this the engine job part five, because it really is just the conclusion to the story arc. Uh, but this is by Wong, Height, Olzaba, Rosenberg, Karamanga, Sway, and our old favorite, Guru EFX. Uh, and here's my, I know, it's awesome. I know. Can, Can we you, talk to Guru EFX someday? Yeah, please. We got to get him on the pod. Yeah, agreed. All right, here's my short summary. Uh, Dr. Afra and Sanastaros escape the unbroken clan by the skin of their teeth, and in doing so, bring the core of the Nile engine to the Tag Corporation. Uh, Since it was not a complete success, Domino Tag sends them on another mission. Catch her rogue cousin. Uh, Meanwhile, traitors and spies abound. The Perfect summation. All right, thank you. Perfect summary. Yeah. Um, I'm and glad somehow you it ties this in plot to, because there's a yeah. lot of moving parts here. There's, and, a, there's, uh, yeah. I honestly, I'm loving the the tag corporation. Like, I'm Me thinking too. this is super cool. I can't wait for Star Wars to get a little bit more, you know, I, I don't know, cyberpunky and like explore corporate, you know, affairs in the galaxy. On, yeah. You know, be it the tag corporation or you know, corrupt corporations on Coruscant, especially during the time of the empire. Like, let's go. Like I'm, I'm, I would love to explore that territory. I Um, love, yeah, I agree. And I love how Afra, even when Spurrier was at the helm did play around with that stuff. Right. Remember in Spurrier's run, there was, there was the, um, the, uh, Ministry of Propaganda was that what it was called or no yeah. I can't remember yes yeah, yeah. and that Ministry little of propaganda and yeah. that came out around the time of of Pablo Hidalgo's book yeah, Propaganda book. which is yeah. still my favorite Star Wars book to ever have been released but yeah that I love that sort of stuff I love playing with you know even you know government government branches of government within the Empire that are these obscure kind of branches like the Ministry of Propaganda. But also corporations like the tag. Dominant tag is a great character. Yeah, I was like, gonna say yeah. Dominant tag is all time great. She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, such a great, such a great big bad in this series. Really enjoy what they're doing with her. Um, I do love the teaming up of Afra and Sonastaros. I think they kind of play off each other quite well. Um, I, a part of me is really enjoying how Afra will you know, learn lessons and that character will build, but she is very much the Indiana Jones, right? Like still falls back on this, on this. No, I, I am not doing this for the good. I'm doing this for myself. I'm not going to, you know, save people. And then immediately goes and saves people. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like a Buster Keaton or like a Charlie Chaplin routine. Like every comic is almost her getting into some (laughs) kind of archeological mishap and then everything just explodes. Like it's awesome. Like, yeah. Her, the hijinks with Afra is some of my favorite Star Wars storytelling. 
Uh, I know I say that about almost everything, but th- this deserves to be a movie, deserves to be a series. Like, I, we just need Afro in live action as soon as possible. Like, I love like the <laughs> physicality, like the witty dialogue, the, the especially the relationship between Sana and Afra. Like, that is fantastic. Um, Domina Tag's great. Vakura's interesting as a character. She's like basically mercilessly like killing people. In this group. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, whoa! I'm, this is dark. Like, this is darker than even some of the War of the Bounty Hunter issues. Um, yeah. If I completely ignore the visuals, which I will, um, which is nothing against the artists on this, because this is a character that has been over multiple comics. This is just a, yeah, a design. I would, I would say the art on all of these comic runs has been fantastic. Yeah, I just you know we've talked about her design. We don't have to talk about that here. We can ignore her design. I, uh, apart from that, I do like the character in terms of this is a, this is a merciless <laughs> crime lord, right? Or, 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 yeah, or, yeah. And I really enjoy it. And, um, it is interesting. We do get her towards the end starting to lose some of that, her visor, right? We actually see a little yeah. bit beneath that. So, remind me of Af or not Afro, remind me of Phasma a little bit, right? In the sequel trilogy, we get this. Oh, nice, nice. Parallel. Start to see her as a human. Yeah. Um, that would make sense for what Phasma would have worn on um, her homeworld. Like, I thought you were going to bust out the homeworld's name. Oh, it's I almost weird. did. I yeah. almost did. It's a great it's, name. It's a great name. It's like Mirror Peak or like Mirage or. Oh, God. Okay. Maybe if I think hard enough slash Google it, I can find it. Uh, oh, yeah. It's uh, Parnassus or something. Is that right? Oh, it's yeah, Parnassus. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah, yeah, Parnassus, yeah. classic. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if Vakura is like from Parnassus. Parnassus, I like that Planet a lot. Apparently, like it's like nuclear ravaged world. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, very post-apocalyptic, yeah. very Road Warrior esque. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. That, that... Ooh, let's go there. Let's go there, Afra. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. That would be a really good kind of reveal or connection for that character. Oh, yeah. I mean, in that first of all, that Phasma novel was amazing. Yeah, it's it, pretty. It's yeah, really, it was really impressive. It was such a great like story that came out of nowhere. Yeah, the Hux family, incredible in the books. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Except, I mean, Rise of Skywalker. I feel like he he doesn't get to do enough in that movie, and I don't know. No, he gets. It's similar to the movie. He gets it. You get that character both ways, right? Like you, you get your cake and eat it too with that character. He's a uh, Saves her, but then he gets a he gets that's an almost awesome. everything in that movie. It's just like yeah. it's the setup and payoff for everything you've ever loved in something. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, uh yeah, that's what that costume looks like. I feel yeah. like that's a spot it's, on. It's it yeah. It's an interesting issue. I don't have a lot more to say because it is very much just like let's wrap up this story arc that we've been on for four issues and then find a way to repel our characters into the war of the bounty hunter. Right. Like we literally the last scene is we see our just lucky, who's also just been having another side quest on Canto Bite, which, to be honest, I don't think I could summarize what his side quest is. I yeah. read it all. I, I don't know. I, I, I have to go back and reread because it's because we get little like three page arcs with him. Right. And so it's hard for me to follow that when I'm reading all the other issues as well. But he's doing stuff. <laughs> It was a cool issue because we another we had more tie-in you know material to the High Republic 
yep. storytelling uh, with the Nile technology and the path engines and um, Afra eventually getting uh, stealing that kind of green crystal that I guess powers yeah. the path engine, which it, are we thinking Nesting that's Kyber? Is it technology. like, is Kyber at the core of this technology as well? Probably. <laughs> it seems Maybe. to be at the core of most Star things. Star Wars yeah. brought to you powered by Kyber. Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty cool. Um, but it was spherical, which was interesting. Uh, and then they hand that off. But yeah, and there's, it's kind of like a double cross at the end. I mean, of course, there's a double cross at the end. It's an Africa. It's Africa. Yeah. 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 But um, oh, but loved the moment where Sana went and grabbed stormtroopers while Vakura was basically like taking people out, forcing people to you know, um, uh, figure yeah. out the path engine, so you know, repair. That the was path. a that was a bit of synergy for me. It was like in this, it was like suddenly you're rooting for Star Wars stormtroopers. I, I just yeah. thought I like, loved that. Stormtroopers to the rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, and then we had you know as we talked about in Bad Batch, we had droids. Uh, you know, droid army to the rescue, which was like yeah. a fun, fun synergistic dynamic. So good. Um, yeah, and then I love that Dominatag's giant starship is called the Acquisitor. Like, I love whenever you know, whenever I see a named ship, like I, I really, I feel name. like as a writer, that's like the coolest. Yeah, name he was named. yeah, absolutely. It's such a great name for a corporation starship. <laughs> Just a person I acquire things, information yeah. on things, or acquisitor. Yeah. Things. yeah, what what you have, that's mine now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the acquisitor. Very cool, very cool character. Dominant tag. Um, can't wait for more of this. Uh, obviously, we're now we get the tie in with Just Lucky in this issue, which is yeah, cool. Just Lucky and uh, his sidekick have been on um, uh, Canto Bite, right. Cray. Or... Is that a yeah, Cray is yeah, the, been... the partner. Yeah. 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 Uh they've been on Kendo Bite for quite quite a bit now. Like they've yeah. they're just mowing people down. Just lucky is a he's got a pretty heavy death count. That guy just like mows through everything. He's an interesting character. I, I like the I like the just lucky ad. You know, just yeah. like looking out for his brother's like awful gambling debts. He's like a leaving Las Vegas. I don't know. It's just you know, I guess like Kendo Bite is Las Vegas, right? Old yeah. Fancier. But yeah, it, it's it's a he's got a je ne sais quoi about him that that makes just first of all just the name just lucky is bold. yeah that's a bold choice and uh, it's uh, a it's a great choice I like it's it a great is. Choice. I love uh, it but he's yeah I mean it makes sense for like a guy that likes you know slinks around a gambling planet just lucky you know I yeah. guess I'm, I guess I'm just lucky he's like the Han of Canto Bite but he is yeah murderous and like a hired killer yeah all right so this yeah. is all good but i want to talk about cray's hair all right <laughs> it is yeah it's cray I, is it cray is his hair cray his hair is pretty cray i i have a specific reference that i don't know how people are gonna get very people and myself but whoever drew this which i think is height i think was the the artist in this and nothing else looks like this so i i have to feel like this is a choice his hair is Cable's hair from the New Mutants run, like '98 through '99, when Cable's first introduced, like that that Seth or that that Todd McFarlane, and um, I can't think of, I can't think of the other thing yeah. where like no, 100. I'm seeing like, it now. It is. It I'm is, looking at it right now. Yeah, his hair like it's this like feathered, and there's like it's amazing. And I I looked at that and I'm like, 
whoa, I just fell back to being like 12 and reading a comic book <laughs> in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. hair is a bit disarming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little Pat Benatar. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally like when we first see them on Canto Bite and we see them and maybe not when we first see them. I can't remember. I'm not. I think it is in this issue. It's like literally the first page on Canto Bite and just like he had like mowed down everyone. Yeah, the bottom right panel <laughs> where it shows crazy like hair with the two wisps falling down <laughs> it is it is it is just again i i wish i had a reference point and i should have just gotten my i wish i saw my old run of new mutants uh my complete run of new mutants but i sold it years ago um i just wish i had it because i could pull out a picture and i'm like they must have he must have just copied or whoever that is must have just copied it directly from maybe, maybe it's a nod i think it's no I, I that's what i mean it's it's it is like i don't think it's i don't think it's yeah. like because nothing else looks like that in this entire issue. Like there's no other really like early nineties comic feeling from this drawing. But I feel like that was like, he's, they were just like Dude, the nineties were this choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to have some fun here. And I'm, I am on board. I'm complete with board. a parachute. 90s Canto bite. What more could you ask yeah. for? Um, yeah. Cool. I yeah, yeah, a yacht somewhere. heist on Canto bite near Canto bite. Yeah. Like, let's go. Um, but but nonetheless, they're serving the uh, they're serving the sixth. What are they called? Sixth kin. Sixth, sixth kin. kin by Wen Delphus. Wen Delphus, right? Who's that tarantula looking species? Yeah. And there, there's a cause involved somewhere. K O Z. Hmm. Sorry, I'm, I digress. I'm just so th this is the most like mysterious plot of this run, right? They're yeah, just, not 100%. We don't really know. It's like we just know Wendelphus has now tasked them. I think he's still holding his brother's debts over just yeah. like his head, yada, yada. But we have no idea where they're going or why at this point. And maybe that's on the uh, reader's part. Maybe I, I need to go back and reread all of Bounty Hunters again to just to get this. But um yeah, or and Afra, I guess. Well, she. I mean, we know she's going to be at the center of this debacle with Solo, right? Like, we know that yeah. she's heading towards that ism, that scenario. Yeah. I, just, I wonder how, what she's going, what her angle is going to be, what she's going to be doing. It's I'm, really... I'm interested to see what the Star Wars main runs going to be doing with the war. Right. That's crazy. That's it's going to be crazy. I mean, it's like really yeah. calling all cars for this like event. I mean, good for them for doing this crossover event. And one thing, if I can just go for a side, so I'm obviously a comic noob compared to Grant and Adam, but uh, I've really enjoyed this. And I, I just, the fact that it was like, okay, now in new Canon, I can read everything and just start from here rather than being overwhelmed by everything that's happened before it. But the fact that I was able to explain to Jenny tonight, like what was going on in the comics, because it's just so clearly defined as far as time Everything's yeah. being in the same time. Like they're not trying to throw a lot of craziness. Obviously, the High Republic is its own thing. Yeah. But um, but the fact that all right, so there's four main runs, they all run simultaneously, and now they're converging for this event, and which happens in a lot of different things. It's a great idea and it's very concise. Yeah. It's very easy to follow and um and really enjoyable for the readers, I think, and very accessible for me as a new reader to comics. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think really kind of great by resetting the. The count, right, by starting over with Star Wars one, starting yeah. with Afro one, and I've been really impressed. And I know I've been down in the past talking about this idea of crossover events and how sometimes it can be hard to thread yeah. the needle. 
But one thing I'll say for advantage is we're only talking about four comics, right? As opposed to when Marvel does it, you have like 16 main run comics that they all have to thread right. that needle and it just does not work. And and I'm starting to come on board with this because it feels like sometimes it feels like I could kind of see the inner workings of like, oh, slow this plot down because you need to be here in issue 10. You're going too fast. We need a side mission. Yada, yada, yada. You're moving the chess pieces. But I just love how this ends with like literally just see our two groups in this comic in hyperspace heading to the main part. The exact same space, yeah. And there's a fun scene at the end of, we'll talk about the next comic, where you just see where everyone is, where where we've placed everyone in this giant arc and how things are going to start intersecting. And uh, it's 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 going to be fun. Um, quick correction. Um, it is not Cray, it's not his name. It's Ariel or Ariel. Ariel. Uh, Ariel. Cray is the person they're hunting. Cray is the... Traitor, oh, the uh, the traitor for of the six kin. So that's who they're chasing is oh, their, their former Lieutenant Cray. Yeah. Lieutenant. That's Cray. not that's not me. I saw that's the wrong on name. us. That's on us. Is, okay. Are we sure Ariel yes. is a man? Uh, I don't know. I, I That's a good point. I we have, may have misgendered or made an assumption. I don't know. Because I was sort of on the fence. Yeah, that's fair. I we have yeah, we may have misgendered. Um I don't remember seeing a pronoun, so at this point, Ariel, I'm pretty sure you are yeah, refusable to die, blah blah blah, not that I care, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's no there's no pronouns here, so we don't know, but it's a pretty gender fluid character there, Ariel, and the haircut doesn't help. Unclear, yeah. So I yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, so I think that's the end of that comic, unless anyone else has anything. Yeah, why don't, why don't we move on to uh, War of the Bounty Hunters 1? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, big one. Let's we're now do done it. with all the preludes. We had about War of the Bounty Hunters. Zuckus demands that we segue <laughs> to <laughs> War of the Bounty Hunter part one. Most Zuckus demands a segue. <laughs> uh, War of the Bounty Hunter, of course, this is our kickoff issue of, I guess, the War of the Bounty Hunter mainline. Uh, this is War of the Bounty Hunter Part 1, uh, Most Wanted, written by Charles Sewell, of course, artist by Luke Bross, um, uh, colorist Niraj Menon, letter VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, quick summary of this issue. After Han Solo was stolen from Boba Fett by the mysterious captors on the smuggler's moon of Narshada. Fett discovers Jabba has placed a lucrative bounty on his head, making him the most wanted target in the galaxy. Meanwhile, Solo has arrived on a starship known as the Vermilion and is in the possession of an organization claiming to be Crimson Dawn. Their mysterious leader invites the Huts to a gala to hand over the Captain Solo. Though her, though her motivations are unclear, her connection to Han is anything but. <laughs> da, da, da. Great job. Yeah. Good summary. Perfect. Lot to lot to sink our teeth into in this in this issue. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I'm stoked for War of the Bounty Hunters. This is super fun. They're they're all coming together. And also they're just like, and we're going to follow Boba Fett. It's almost if some people listen to what we were saying. It was like, we shouldn't follow balance. We should follow a main character. How about Boba Fett? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, also, not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, I again. Synergy is strong here because I think we pointed out in the past. I think this whole thing wraps up in November, <laughs> the whole War of the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. And uh, there's a little series called Book of Boba that premieres uh, in December. So 
I, I think something we should talk about as we're reading through these is do we see any possible through lines to Book of Bounty or Book of Boba? So we don't Absolutely. do that right now, but as I, we're talking, I find their lack of Fennec Shand disturbing. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna it's gonna happen. Oh yeah. I, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head, Adam. Yeah. It's just this is gonna be the 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 prelude chapter to the book of Boba Fett. This will be the the prologue. Yeah, I think by the end of this, we'll have a pretty good idea of what that series is going to look like and why he's doing what he's doing, why we see him. I mean, last time we see Boba Fett in The Mandalorian, he's literally killing, uh, spoiler alert for last season, right? He's he's killing um, Bib Fortuna and taking over the throne of, of Boba Fett or Bib Fortuna. So, so I don't think that's random that Job we see. Hunt, yeah, yeah Job of the Hutt. What did I say? Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Siri thinks yeah. you. I think that stuff's super strong. I think that's the strongest stuff in the issue is that setting up this kind of this dis- disagreement between Bib Fortuna, Jabba, and Boba. Because yeah, in the earlier issues, the earlier comics of the Age of uh, Rebellion series with that Jabba issue, you know, Jabba is dependent on Boba. Like it, it, that is his number one kind of right wing guy who he calls for for any any dirty work that's needed. And um, it's it's good to like break that relationship up a little bit, and then and and so later on in Mando, it makes sense that he's killing Bib and taking over the throne. He's like, I, I, of course, this I have to dominate the galaxy from this. Yeah, I yeah I I agree, and I think similar to what we talked about this this is a good series. This episodes or this this series is doing a good job of connecting multiple errors and star Wars together in a logical way. Yeah. Because when I first heard that they were doing this and I, I, you probably on record saying I wasn't really necessarily on board. I'm like, this is a weird side mission. Why, why would like it, it, my head cannon, which is just my head cannon is that Boba got Han went to Jabba dropped off Han at Jabba's. Right. Yeah. And it felt a little forced similar to, I think we saw like a standalone issue where, Apparently on the way, Ray from Ray going from um, Dakar to um, I can't think of the island. Octu. Octu. She had a side mission. Do you yeah, remember that right. comic? That was really weird, to be honest. Like that was like, what, what? Like why are we doing yeah. that? Right, right. And I kind of had the same feeling when this started. And then we'll talk about what happens, but towards the end, I'm like, oh, now I'm on board, and this makes sense of why this is happening. They they did a good job of of selling it right of like oh it makes sense that there's another character actor in the galaxy who'd be pretty hot on getting retrieving Han, Han. yeah before getting to java so I, I i like that i'm i i'm good with it to what you're saying adam i do sometimes read these these comics and i'm like there's no way that happened but okay. yeah yeah i know it's, <laughs> that's it's like hard that's pretty much how yeah. i end every comic every comic i read yeah. I'm like, there's absolutely no possible way that happened but actually there's some that i actually have put like a canonized and put like next to my blu-ray connection collection but in between the films like the original trilogy yeah. film, i'm starting to stack some comics that i think are just perfect between yeah. films but you know, sometimes I read these big event series, and I'm just like, "Whoa! All of that happened in that amount of time. That's that's pretty crazy." It happened. Deal with it. No, yeah. <laughs> and I do love it. I do love the choices, and I do feel like there is poetry, right? Like Han being imprisoned in carbonite is a wonderful comparison to Kira being. Im- or sorry, spoiler alert, everyone. Spoiler yeah. oh, ruined. Oh. Let yeah, the cat right out of the I'm just. Is the is the le- is is it worth the is it worth the squeeze to get you know is the juice worth the the lemon I don't know it's like 
they have this overlapping kind of symmetry where she's been imprisoned in a you know criminal syndicate yeah and he's imprisoned in carbonite that's beautiful like come on that's amazing it's it's worth this story being told now like that's that's all that that's the price of admission i feel like it's perfect in that way so why don't we talk about kira so this is i mean they tease it the whole episode um adam spoiled it for me earlier in the week and so i kind of sort of knew what was happening uh, to be fair, I didn't spoil I, it. Grant Grant said I said something. I knew in the first page. You used the I royal saw a ship called the Vermilion, and I knew Vermilion. I you know immediately identified Vermilion as a shade of red, and I was like, oh, this is Crimson Dawn. It must be like yeah. no one has giant red sails like other than Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Like let's be real. It's kind of a and, Georgia O'Keeffe pattern to that ship too. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, that. it's it's interesting. Um, so let me. So they, we get they, flashbacks of the mall. If this is really going to happen right, right now, uh, yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're going to save that for another series. I do too. I think we yeah, still I mean, have. Uh, yes, yeah, because yeah, at we some have point, Paul years. leaves and like we know Maul's end and or he gets banished. That Maul, we, there's Wait, still we like back? hundreds we and hundreds of pages of Maul. Like this is where we're going to end our conversation. I feel like. Yeah, we'll come back around. So because there's a lot of story. There's still 13 years to be told of this story about. Right. Because because Solo takes place 10 years before uh, New Hope, I think. I think that's the thing. And then there's probably, what, three years between a New Hope and where we are now ish. Yeah, that's uh, it could be more. It could be four or five, because I think uh, return is six years. A.B.Y. Okay, so it's like somewhere in there. So it's like 14, 15 years, 13, 15 years of storytelling that could be told here. So. but I want to I want to I want to hit on something before and we can move on to this. So they spend this entire issue saying we don't know who this is. This is a secret that we're going to clearly uh-huh. reveal at some point. So we have a very similar of like, why is this person walking around with a hood up the entire time? Um, I was with Grant. it was chilly. <laughs> it might have been chilly. I, I had guessed it was Kira before I opened this issue because of Grant's just, you know, just Grant didn't do anything wrong, but just said, you know, clearly hinted there was a reveal. And I just went, oh, Kira. And then I ruined it for Ben because I guess Kira Grant. Oh, that was a guess. That was a guess. I hadn't read the comic yet. That was a guess. Just off. I was wondering, like halfway through the comic, I was like, I wonder if that was a misdirect by Adam, and it's going to be no, no. It was just I hadn't read it either. I just read it today. It was my first time reading. It was today. I just guessed, and so I'm reading this, going, "It's curse your metal body." And I same with Grant. (laughs) I saw Vermilion, and I'm like, okay, red, red, crimson. Crimson Dawn, definitely Kira. And then there's a line when the huts are together. And I just have to read this out. And then we can move on. There's something important to consider. The person who ran this organization was not someone who could stay hidden this long. One way or another, he would have revealed himself. Um, He was not. He has not. And so I believe he is dead. And so the question is, if this is real, then whoever is in charge may have killed that person. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a lot no, of really it's in Hatiz. I don't yeah. all language yeah, awesome. no but all languages have pronouns and specific names and I'm sorry like only this is this is like something that drives me nuts in all shows and stuff maybe not Hatiz. <laughs> no every language no one would talk like that they had talked they clearly had this mentioned is... Crimson Dawn <laughs> All right. So Adam, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this out for you. you. They, 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 so this George R. R. Martin did this most famously. And I feel like more people are doing it more now. It's like you start, it's a trail of breadcrumbs and you get more bread as you get closer to the end. 
So sure. it's just sort of like, all right, we know there's a woman with her hood up and it's a criminal, criminal syndicate. And then like, we know that the ship's red. And then like, and then the, we see them talking about it. And then they lay out, like, that's the last piece where they're just like. And then they write the clunkiest dialogue, avoiding oh, anyone actually yes. saying, like, no negative one. Right now. I am. I am very negative. But this is just don't have that conversation then because that's ridiculous because clearly the way it's like it's like when you come into a conversation where they're like okay so we said kira we that said crimson song for me i was hearing uh-huh. it all in hutties in my mind yeah. that was in- i you stop it Both stop the the like this is bad that's that's there was, bad there was a whole squadron of huts <laughs> in their hut ships yeah that was anyway, many huts communicating via hologram all of them i think yeah. except for java which was awesome to see and i, yeah, I yeah. need to see that in live action so yeah. and now let the me ship designs back. were amazing let me pull back the war barge i don't have a solution to this so i can't really be that angry because <laughs> so this is me doing writing it's, it's but i don't know how to unclunkify it because I do like the reveal. Like, I do like, that's what we lead to. That's what Star Wars does, right? You have to lead to that reveal. And so most comic readers are not going to guess, right? They've led, as Ben, you said, they led those, they they put those breadcrumbs down. I just am laughing when I'm reading this where I'm like, it's like, I can't imagine as a writer having to write this without being like, okay, so wait. I can't. Uh, I can't say Crimson Dawn. What if you saw multiple flashbacks? I can't say her. I can't say her. Right. So it's like this. I think where I lost it was like this person. <laughs> no one says this person. Yeah. So it, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting angry mostly for effect because it's, it's you're, you're a very hardcore comic reader, Adam, and you've got a lot of comics under your belt, and you have a little higher tier that. Well, I can see the sausage. You know what it is? We've just realized bait. that the ultimate formula for Star Wars comic book storytelling is the <laughs> Greg Pak formula, the Vader formula, yeah. with like yeah. the minimal dialogue, the like graphic yeah. match transitions, the yep. with the flashbacks, I mean, things like that. Like if you started with weird, obscure like flashbacks that you wouldn't know are exactly Kira's memories, but seem like you're you're you know you're fishing through right. your mind which characters memories they could be they like and then they or turn out to be kira's memories and it's done very subtly like that would be an interesting approach but this is a mainstream stream comic and i think it has that really fun kind of pulpy commercial yeah. like lots of dialogue and like here's the giant adventure and i don't know i think i think it's just a easy comic to get into and understand comic book when- yeah. When I was reading this, I just went, I was laughing to myself a little bit. Like, I literally read it and laughed, and I went, I could just imagine Charles Sewell being like, because he's an amazing writer. Like, yeah. we read so many, he, and this this issue is so good. And I can imagine him writing this and just staring at it and just setting it off and saying, I don't know, you fix it. And they're going, like, we can't. And he's like, all right, then we're just putting it in that way. And we're like, okay. And like I just I just imagine this game of chicken and then it ends up in there because no one can fix it because you need this conversation. It's an amazing scene. You can't do the reveal and you're just like, I don't know, this person, fine, let's just move on. Like it's a like it's exactly great. It's a fun ride. Let's just move on. Let's just right. get on. Yeah. I have something else to say about this scene. So like there's something yeah. very contemporary about this scene and very tied to our reality. So first of all, it's essentially a Star Wars Zoom call between huts, which is really <laughs> kind of funny when you think about it. Um, and then and then there's one person sleeping on the call, like clearly sleeping. Wait, and there's one one thousand year old hut on this. Yeah. Yes. So oh, yeah. they wake up uh, Marlo the hut 
And he's they're like, what do you think, Marlo? And he's like, proceed. Yes, we should proceed. I believe Chancellor So is a woman with whom we can do business. Those cats have heard those. I don't know if we can trust them or not. Like, there's just like granddad waking up and making yeah. a thousand year old reference and like immediately <laughs> tying it to yeah. Chancellor Lita, Lena So. And it was like, that was their tie in to uh, the High Republic comics. Super and fun. It was, so good. Because, so. like, is Marlo the hut that Avar Chris is with right now in the High Republic run? Because she's with a hut right now. She is. I'm don't gonna... be... I don't think it's Marlo the hut, which is kind of a curious. Wait, no, like, she's hut not name. Marlo the hut. I remember she's named, but it's not Marlo. Oh, yeah. It's a female hut that yeah. she's with. Um, well, yeah, a really old kind of bloated crime lord named Marlo. I just thought Marlon Brando when I read it. <laughs> I didn't know if it was it like, looks like a... Marlon Brando if he was a hut. No doubt. Yes, I didn't know if it was like a little poke at Marlon. Uh, uh, yes, Chancellor uh, So. Uh, we should be very careful so. with your cats. The little kids, we should be careful. And Jabba's like, "Be cool. He's a thousand years old. Like, let's keep going. Move the move our like Zoom call along." Uh, Marlo spent Marlo. That's really funny. Was in um, the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, yeah, there was a couple of Clone Wars episodes where they had like hut hut councils. No one's yeah. no one's got anything on Frank the Hut, my boy. <laughs> oh, you know Frankie the Hut. This guy ain't Frankie. <laughs> I'm trying to think of our guys now. Great. Oh, Joey. Joey. Oh, I can't think of their names. Okay. It's a reference that only Grant knows, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Calling any. Oh, after, uh, after dark. Um, so behind the scenes on Wikipedia is Marlo was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Marlo's appearance is based on actor Marlon Brando's portrayal of Mob Bros, Don Vito Carleone. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so they nailed it again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all, right. Uh, all right. So I took a, like way too much time. Feel free to edit that out if you like. Uh, let's 15 get... minutes. I'm just going to pull Wait, that. Are we going to go back to the beginning of the issue? All right. Let's at least talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> We're going back to the beginning. Here we are. We're the Bounty Hunters number one. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, so anyways, we get to this ship called the Vermilion. Uh, we see that the the people who stole Han uh, in the previous issue uh, yep. were working for this hooded, mysterious phantom type character who's leading this organization. Um, she gets the, the Han and Carbonite and then she says something kind of ominous that's like invite, send out the invitations or something. And it's yeah. like. It's just that's kind of how that scene wraps up. Then we 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 cut to Boba. He's at a bar on the Smuggler's Moon of Narshada, which is one of my favorite locations yes. in Star Wars. I want to yeah. see it in live action, but I'm thinking the production design is a nightmare for that. It's like lots of cabling and signage and just insane. <laughs> so I, I can so see like, people can being wary it. It of be done. it. I don't know. You, with the, you with the, with little the bit. volume and then yeah, you exactly. a little bit of it, you just put a little trash on the ground. Yeah. Yep. Good. Let's go. I like the cable. Um, yeah, and just like I think we're gonna see it in Book of Boba, honestly. I think Nar Shaddaa is gonna be a huge yeah. In Book I wouldn't Boba. be surprised, yeah. Um but we get there, uh, we see that uh, a bounty's been placed an open contract's been placed on Boba, which is um a bounty for him brought in dead or alive, uh, as well as a bonus for the safe retrieval of Han Solo and Carbonite. And we see that I think Boba sees like a hologram feed of this or something as uh, or I think this is actually bounty hunters behind him see a hologram feed of this yeah. bounty and, and immediately take fire, take shot, take the shot. Yeah. Um, Get smoked, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> you. Know, <laughs> yeah. 
Don't <laughs> thank step. you for coming in and just telling them what happens because what, yeah. what I like is that like he doesn't even realize he there's a bounty on him yet. Like that that guy approaches yeah. him, he smokes him and just says, like, I don't know, money, reputation, revenge could be anything. He doesn't know why that's happening. So he's still yeah. like wandering back to his ship <laughs> thinking I, it's I want to know more about like Boba's local bartender in Narshadat, like his guy. Yeah, like as being oh, a bartender pretty- at one point, you know that that guy knows like so way too much about Boba Fett, and he's just like, I don't know. Like, if I was around him, like his bartender, I would be, I'd be like, someone's going to die tonight because Boba, <laughs> Boba yeah. Fett just walked in. Yeah, there's gonna someone's gonna die again. Uh, but that, I thought that was a fun angle, and the, like the bartender's rapport with Boba, and like Boba being candid, Boba yeah. just like, with a rapport with the bartender just like being that guy at the bar which is sort of funny and then of course picking up his ee3 and just like smoking fools which i i can't get enough of honestly boba's <laughs> kind of the king um yeah great bar scene great bar kind of shootout yeah and then so then now he gets wind of it and he's like okay so what's this thing and um you know, and, and he's he's trying to, like, put off Bib Fortuna because, like, let's face it, Bib Fortuna doesn't draw a lot of water. Um, and. And then, you know, and then he runs into for and Zuckus. Yeah. And so, OK, so incredible. Like, this is this is such great use of for and Zuckus. Uh, Zuckus, of course, introduced first um, in the third person in the third Zuckus. person. Uh, I Zuckus has stopped you. Have you ever seen like the Moon Knights <laughs> on like Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yeah, that's how yeah. I imagine like Zuckus. Oh, totally. Like, oh, hello! But you are not smart enough for Zuckus. Zuckus is here. That's how I imagine Zuckus. <laughs> I like your reading of Zuckus. I'm on board. <laughs> and Forlom is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're they're there, and I'm like, okay, here we go, shenanigans. And then Boba straight up kills Forlom and Zuckus. <laughs> uh, well, so to be I mean, fair, he knocks Zuckus off a very high platform. Yeah, of which Zuckus did not foresee and is Zuckus very cannot be squished. <laughs> yes, this is not the way Zuckus goes out. Um, and then, and uh, Forlom gets decapitated, but that's not a big deal for a droid necessarily. Well, it is if your head gets thrown off a bridge into the dusty sands of Tatooine for all time. I mean, sure. Then it gets a little dark. I'm just saying. I mean, it is. But if anyone's ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, we know that a droid can live quite a long time in the sand. I know. But happily or just like being no. a rock. It's that seems sort of sad. Well, until until someone comes to retrieve his head like a Jawa. So now it's it's canon yeah. now that in Return of the Jedi. Forlom's head is just to the left of the, the okay. gateway. I, I gotta be a, I gotta be a wet blanket here. That's <laughs> what. That's why you're here. That's uh, so that's my speciality. Uh, so in, in August, there's an issue of a comic called Forlom and Forlom Zuckus and number Zuckus. one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys. I mean, it could be a flashback. It could be straight up a flashback, but I don't think. I, my whole thing is, I, it's, again. It's the same reason why Mace Windu is still alive somewhere. We don't actually right. see them die on on in camera, you know, on screen, quote unquote. So they're they're coming back. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I totally forgot about that comic, and I, I knew Boa was there, but still, I will take 
if as far as fake deaths go, yes. it was brutal and awesome. And uh, and this is what I want. I would love Atlantic. to see Zuckus and Forlom pick over the wreckage of Jabba's sail barge. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have them pull Boba out of the pit. Or Boba's armor and sell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And sell his armor. I just, yeah, I, that'd be amazing. I, I, I really, I, I wish we didn't know. I wish they didn't put that comic name. Yeah. Up there right. Because I kind of wish the head was there, honestly, like in the canon almost. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause, Cause I'm like, now I'm thinking, I'm like, was there just a head like, in the like droid torture room or something like was his right. head there or do we see it in like a leading shot just like a, a glint of metal in the sand you know some of that that'd uh, be amazing i but i just i do love their quote-unquote deaths in this because they are it does look really it's a good way to open the series right to be like here are the there are what six known bounty hunters that we see on on the bridge and in Episode or issue one of War of the Bounty Hunters, sorry, dispatched two of the most famous bounty hunters in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a great way to start. It's yeah, there's never just one bug, though. It's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get five long. That was the great five long and Vickis. Never just one bug, but you know, with the New Zealand accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Just one bug. Um. All right. Uh. What else? So we get. Well, yeah. Then oh, then Jabba goes or uh, Boba yeah. goes to Jabba's, which I enjoy. Yeah, so he's there. I mean, that was a great scene, and because he's he's got to get to the bottom of this, and that's where he deduces that actually. So he convinces Bib Fortuna to uh, to show him the message that they got, and now he is savvy to who stole his bounty, and he is now headed towards Crimson Dawn, and um, this this hut meeting and then all is revealed with kira and that like this is the party and it's also revealed revealed that uh crimson dawn throws a great party which is good to know and we kind of know from solo um casual jason get on it and they um yeah uh which we've seen a, a crimson dawn party it's swanky and it's fun and we we have a hut that talks about them partying for a whole week or like yep. three weeks or something um, and so I, I don't know. I buy into this. I buy into this. Yeah. I mean, like Crimson Dawn's like, okay, we're back for, I don't know when they left Crimson Dawn. Like, I don't know when it sort well, of collapsed. I think I mean, right after solo, I what's interesting here is, so I went hard after her on uh, her not putting her hood down until the very end. And now I'm like rereading the comic and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take back what I said because my thought is she has her hood up because she does the, um, she does the uh, hollow message to everyone, right? Right. And like and maybe it, it could be, well, it couldn't be Darth Maul. She couldn't pass herself off, but still. Right. And that's the question is like, like basically the person who ran the organization, right? And I love that, that they're talking about Maul and they just don't know where he's at. And so it seems like they don't know, right? They don't know what's going on with Dryden Voss. They don't know if, if Darth Maul is still running the organization. They don't know any of these things, right? And right. so I feel like everything Especially just went Marla. dark. Yeah, especially Marlo. It's true. He doesn't know yeah. a lot. He doesn't know a lot of what's going on. Um, but I, I do like appreciate dementia. this idea that like she's been slowly consolidating power over the past fifteen years, and so she doesn't yeah. want people to know it's her. It could be Darth Maul. It could be someone else. And then she lowers her hood when she's done. So, well, we know Darth Maul died about 
four uh so five or six years before and we know yeah. at some point before that darth maul was abandoned on malachor right uh right Mal no moribon sorry not malachor moribon which used to uh, be moribon yeah which you, before that was constantinople <laughs> um yeah and so yeah so moribon so we don't know how long he was there did he plan himself there for, uh, to be found by uh uh Ezra Bridger and whatever, but like somewhere, you know, at least six years before, well, I mean, six years before Darth Maul died for real. Right. Um, and then he could have abandoned them, you know, up to 10 years before that, maybe. So um, we don't, we don't know when that break was, but yes, they've been consolidating power, but I have a feeling there might be another story to be told there. I think so. Yeah. So we might get it all in this comic. This might be the whole thing is that we learn about we might. what you're... uh we gonna uh we might, but I, I feel like I just weirdly drifted into Boston Ass Dungeon. territory. Um so... <laughs> I, don't... <laughs> I don't know, Ben, do you have the, the quote? I can get it real quick, but um comicbook.com, who I put on blast earlier, uh, <laughs> uh did have an exclusive interview with Amelia Clark. So oh, I do you know, have it. Good for them. And and they asked her about Kira popping up in Where the Bounty Hunters. She has something really interesting to say. Did you have the Yeah, quote? I have it right here. Yeah. So this is um, Amelia Clark talking about her yeah, character popping back up. It means so much. It means the absolute world. I know her backstory. I know her history. Maybe the movie didn't get to go there, but that was such an honor and a privilege to be part of that universe as an actor. So then to see the character actually be taken onto the origin of it all, uh, the origin of all of it, sorry, bringing it on to the family in that way, uh, cementing it in a way, I was not expecting to feel as moved as I was by that. Yeah. So Amelia Clark, you're my queen. Yeah, that's awesome. Like to actually to A, be asked a question to A, get I mean, that's got to be a hard get to get Amelia Clark, right, to talk yeah. about anything and then to ask her a question about a comic book and then to have her reference that this is one character she played in one movie that what few years ago at this point she has a lot more going on in her life um no but she just slayed that role she, she was so good she was that the role. best thing about a great movie um and and i, I love she was all set up as well i thought yeah. that character was uh, that movie was built to set up that character in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I thought Which that I... character was the engine for a trilogy if they were going to do a solo trilogy. Oh, absolutely. And I think there she was referencing that a little bit in this quote. And so that's just so interesting that she, A, was moved by it, B, agreed to answer a question about a Star Wars comic book. So there's there's part of me. This is the the great machine that is Disney and everything, is if we have not seen The Last of Cure in live action and... I, I don't, it just, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it's just like a once in a lifetime, like portrayal. Like maybe. that character was like a, you know, it was, it was a good character and she just took it to another, like it was written really well too. Where it was so crazy oh, yeah. solo. Like she had so many secrets, but she played it off so perfectly. It was so sexy and it was so mysterious and, um, and so haunted and it, like her horror portrayal. I just watched solo again recently and it just, Blew me away. Like, I mean, I loved I her Amelia Clark in Game of Thrones. Because the tone, like the tone, like yeah. you're saying, like it shifts. Like it's comedic one minute, then it 
then you get Kira in these noir scenes, these film yeah. noir scenes that are yeah. like stunningly, you know, compelling and captivating, and yes. you're just mesmerized by her her acting, that character. Again, what you said, the secrets she's keeping, everything that's unsaid is super interesting in that. Right. And, and it's not like a ham fisted, like film noir thing, but it is film noir. Yeah. But like just juxtaposed against the rest of the Star Wars galaxy, I feel like just brings so much gravity to that character. And um, I yeah. almost wish she Fantastic. over over she she like usurped Maul in the end of that movie or something. Right. Like you set up like a Maul who's like, you know, making a clamor and like beating his fist and yelling at people. And then she just takes him. like I would have loved to see her, you know, take over in live action. Well, I mean, to her credit, she overtook Dryden Voss. Right. So, I mean, that yeah. that's no small task, but yeah. she did defeat Dryden Voss in that. You know, she did defeat her master and then but, you know, was more fearful of the, her master's master. But she won that battle, too. And that like that's the story. It's like, when are we going to get that story? Maybe, maybe it's in this series. Maybe it's in another series. Maybe it's in that live action series. I think we have two. I think I think I think there's a good chance we see Kira in live action in two separate places. Okay. And so we know that this series is revolving around Boba. We know this is leading up to the book of Boba Fett. I'm guessing Kira is going to be the main antagonist, quote unquote, to this series. I think, I think she's going to be kind of the one going head to head with Boba in some ways, or at least doing some stuff. And so cool. Which, if that sets up, we know there's an antagonistic relationship between Boba Fett and Kira, or some kind of relationship between Boba Fett and Kira. So it really lines up that she, if she's still around, which why wouldn't she be, yeah. might pop up in Book of Boba Fett, which would take place uh, about eight years after this. Okay. All right. Okay, so, that's a, so that would explain why she looks younger in the comic than she did in some. I mean, there's makeup to be done. And also, if you look at some of the stuff, like you can do some makeup work to make people yeah. look a little older. And, and then I Clark also just looks younger than her age. Yeah. And then don't forget, we got the Lando series coming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was surprised by it. Like, she's as stunningly gorgeous as she was in the movie. Like, still. Like, I was like, you'd think a life with Maul would be terrifying and leave you, I don't know. Scarred in some way. Scarred and damaged in some way because he's such a damaged character himself. Yeah. We've talked about her sort of, you know, because we've talked about the future of Kira and we've wanted her to come back for a lot of episodes. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of times we talk about her like more damaged, more, you know, as she goes further down the dark path um, that she, you know, Yes, right. you know, scars from her experiences, but no, it's she's just as stunning as she I mean, was. That's the other thing to think about. She's not a force user, right? So the dark side, whatever it is, doesn't physically corrupt you, right? If you're or the going the evil path. So right. I like this idea of like a like a really like pristine or like perfect looking bad guy, right? Like it's interesting, right? And that's kind of like Dryden Voss, right? She yeah. might have taken more um from Dryden Voss than from the right. Like he was very, um, he presented himself very, uh, dapper, right. Like right. a very and, dapper. And she's clearly going for the party aspect. Yeah. Uh, 
Dryden Voss would have. And the, I mean, yeah. that's he the other part stars of, though. Like, doesn't he? I think that was part of his. I think that was. Oh, yeah. his, so that was his, his physiology. physiology. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. The other thing is that like Kira is very adept at manipulating people. So so she might have been able to play. There's a couple things we don't know how much he, interaction she had with Maul, but she might have been pretty good at playing Maul. Yeah. And Maul might have yeah. just been like, here's it's here's the keys to the, you know, Lamborghini. I got to go take care of this thing with the force. I'm out. I have a date in another show. <laughs> I feel like yeah. she could play live action Maul, but I don't know about like Clone Wars, like uh, Rebels Maul is like pretty wizened. It's weird. Like, I don't know. It's but, like, a weird yeah. character to play after he he's kind of. A, I feel like he's a strange character because I don't know what his intelligence is. He is a very is. strange character. I'm just like, is he like, oh, is he take after the Emperor? Because he, he seems like know. he does in Rebels. And then like, oh, no, he's like, he's Sisyphus, like pushing the boulder. Like, he's just a pawn. Like, it's just weird. It, it wavers between those things. Um, well, he is. I mean, Maul has a lot of motivations, you know, kind of dueling motivations. Like it's also just rage. Like, in yeah, it's so. he's rageful. He's consolidating power. And then he has his vendetta with the Sith. Right. And, and then he has his vendetta with Obi-Wan. You know, like he's I mean, he is mostly rage. Right. But he has a lot of agendas. And, you know, he's like basically trying to consolidate yes. power and do Sith things. Yeah, uh, he has but his he also list has of, list of grievances he has to work through. He sure does, and uh, poor guy never really solves any of them, uh, yeah. except for you know maybe killing Duchess Satine and and emotionally hurting Obi Wan in that way. Yeah. Um. Yes, but we I don't know digress, but not really because it's the. Inviting Kira and Crimson Dawn or Kira as the leader of Crimson Dawn back in this really opens up a lot of possibilities. Everyone's talking about it on the Internet and, and media right now. Um, and uh, it's it's a it was a bold stroke. And I can't wait to see where they go with Could it. Could you not do a series called Crimson Dawn and just have uh, hopefully Amelia Clark re reprise the role and. Sure. Just a really fun story where she's basically leading Crimson Dawn and you could do original trilogy based off this material right here. Yeah. Like and why not just set it in the original trilogy era and do right. Kira running? And she could she could be that kind of character that's doing what she has to do to like survive, but still have like a harder, you know, a harder goal, but you know, like best intentions. So where she can sure. She does good for people, and um, yeah, and, like Robin Hood. Like we brought up Robin Hood earlier, but yeah, why not? yeah, yeah. And then maybe things go. Maybe there's heists and you know weird like you know Michael Mann stuff happening now and again. That right, she, because this plot in this just seems to there's something that's missing there. It's not just like yeah, it's like okay, she's like we need to build cred, so we're gonna give you Han Solo um, as a token of our like allegiance and our goodwill. Um, and we all we just wanted we just want to be a player again, but it just it's not going to be the, just that, right? Like she's got other motivations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, let's get. I love that. I love bringing that up because it's like there's a few things we know, though, right? Like she is inviting all the huts to a dinner party gala type thing, right? Yeah, and all of them, like not just Jabba, right? That's what I kind of gleaned. Yeah, yeah. So we know they're all going to be there. 
is she going to do that classic mob thing where she tries to take out the entire entire hot maybe yeah 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 one shot like or is she (laughs) trying to engender trust with the hot cartel and and stake stake a claim i would go for the former yeah. yeah, or or is she classic doing the thing, mob? Okay, okay. Or is yeah, and she's is she doing it through the way where you invite all the differing sides together without telling them, so they all show up and just kill each other? Like, are we gonna get the are we gonna get the rebels, the huts? We're gonna get just lucky Afra. Like, we're gonna get all these characters right. just showing up for a dinner party. I mean, that could be on, what we on. see in November, right? Like that. Could yeah, they're <laughs> going. Uh, yeah, that would be wild. That'd be wild. Well, it's it's a fun uh, synergistic series. It's a fun event uh, with yeah. the comics. It's it's actually synergizing with the Mar- with the actual Marvel comics. The uh, sorry, the uh, the X Men comics. I was thinking the same thing. The the Hellion, the Hellion, or the uh, um, uh, Hellfire <laughs> Club, or the Hellfire Galley. I had the same thought where I'm just yeah, like, that's oh. yeah, there's a lot of meta going on here. But anyways, we've been talking about this for far too long. Yeah. We got yeah. uh, four more tie-in comics before we get uh, War of the Bounty Hunters number two. We get uh, Bounty Hunters 13, where we get Chewbacca versus Valance, it looks like. We're going to get some Chewy Valance action. Star Wars 14. I've been waiting for that Chewy Valance action. Uh, we yeah. saw it, I think, like, issued a few issues back. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's been, they've been teasing that for a minute. Yeah, the Star Wars 14 is unclear, but Darth Vader 13, we get Darth Vader and IG-88. Uh, okay. Sound of Showdown. Metal, I think that issue is called. Yeah, Sound of Metal. We've already stated that Vader is the most metal like <laughs> comic there's ever been. It's so true. And now they're and like, it is Sound of Metal. the most metal single issue that's ever existed. It's true. Very and the thing we didn't mention in the in Dr. Afra 10 is uh, we're getting the return of Dirge. Uh, yeah and dirge is showing up in the next issue so we talked about that a few weeks ago i don't remember long ago when we talked about tartarovsky's uh clone wars that's right yeah he's he's op that character's yeah he's op (laughs) and he's now recanonized i know like yeah (laughs) obi-wan went inside him ignited his lightsaber exploded out of him but dirge is cool don't worry about it he's yeah he lived through that. The Clayface of the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Which one? Clayface 1, Clayface 2, Clayface 3, or Lady Clayface? I don't know, but we need more Clayface in raw live action. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to call it there, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, it was, was a pleasure. Please, uh, we talk to us out there. If you're still listening two hours into this episode, we'll probably break this up. I don't know. Um, but uh, if... <laughs> Talk to us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and we have a Discord channel, Core World News. Um, just talk to us. We're there. We're, we're listening. We and, check uh, it. We check you it. You know, Star Wars, you know, just take it down a notch. Talk about Star Wars for a minute, you know? Go there. Yeah. And because um, we, we're talking about it all week. We did. And we're talking about it on Discord, so, yeah. That's true. We're never not talking about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Which is a blessing. It, I am grateful every day for Me. Star Wars and my friends. So, uh, yeah. So join us. Uh, thanks again for listening to us. And may the Force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Always. <laughs>